hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Hey, Em, how are you? Oh, Hi, Christy. You really had your uh, your I'm on voice going on there. <laughs> I am uh, the broad of broadcasting after all. Well, I also feel like you probably feel obligated to be a little extra chipper because I'm my my heart things not happening right now, but I'm feeling a little my my chest is acting up, I guess. So it gives me a flutter in my chest when M says, huh, I'm feeling like my heart is a little wonky and I'm like oh no <laughs> well oh, no well no I'm I just took some medicine so I should be fine in a little bit but no I just I and to not to like totally bum everyone out but like I'm in like just the weirdest mood I don't know what is going on but like I just don't feel right and then my heart thing was happening and I just well, like I'm overheating a, and today's a new moon in cancer so um in case you're wondering about that I just felt uh, my Gemini powers being stripped away. That yeah, must have but been a new moon in Cancer is a good thing. It, it's basically um, like a big hug from the universe. So maybe you're just getting smothered a little bit. Maybe. I do feel a little smothered, actually. I feel a little like, yeah, because I kind of want to be like, get off. It's <laughs> all know? about manifesting. Okay, I manifest a healthy heart. Oh, wait, don't have that. Okay, let me try something else. Um... Today, I got the Wordle in two guesses. Oh. And... <laughs> 
Someone really wanted to just talk about that. Okay. No. Okay. I know it doesn't sound relevant and it probably isn't, but I've been practicing my psychic abilities. No. And so I was like, I'm going to test it on the Wordle because everyone got it in like six. Like it took uh, everyone in my like little Wordle group, the Wordle Turtles, a really long time. Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll get back to that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'll I'll try it. Um, And so I can spoil it now for you, right? Because you're not going to do it. I've literally never played Wordle in my entire Okay, life. so it was Droll, D-R-O-O-L, sorry, D-R-O-L-L. Like when like when British people would go, how droll? Uh, sure, yeah. And okay. so uh, <laughs> and so I typed in chili, like a chili pepper on the first guess. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to use my psychic thing and see what I can. And I went, I literally my head just went droll, like a little pop-up. And I typed it in and it was right. You know, I just said this five minutes ago about you off camera, but you are the scariest person to know because like you're a little psychic, you're very interested in just learning anything in one night or less. Um, Speaking of which, I was just telling Emma, I would love to learn how to animate, um, animate some Xenon footage. Well, Christine, what you really said was, oh, okay, I'll just animate it. And then you were like... I, I was like, you don't even know how to animate. You're like, I'll figure it out. Well, here's a picture of me and Chris Angel that I keep meaning to um, show you. And so I'm sending it to you right now because oh, on good. rituals, we talked about Chris Angel a lot. And so I need you to see the photo that I meant to send you while we were recording rituals because I met Chris Angel. And oh, for I- God's sake, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I okay. can't wait to put this on Instagram for this pi- episode's picture. You know what? First of all, when you enlarge it, it's the pixelation that really gets it for me because it's so old. <laughs> but also, um, the fact that you took the time to put yourself in this position <laughs> and to, you were like, I feel like you, the two obviously drawn on hearts that you did. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm getting from this is you drew those two hearts and cut off your own arm to push your body closer to his. So it looks like you're holding each other. And I think in your mind, you went, this needs nothing else. This needs to go on Facebook. The height of social media success. This is exactly perfect. There no changes needed. (laughs) You know what? My heart does feel better. Thank you. Okay, good. This is what I'm trying to do is distract you um, and make you feel like superior in some way so that, you know, you just you calm your own nerves. And I feel really bad because Eva is in this call, but she's not on here right now and i didn't text it to her so i know she's feeling really left out so i don't feel bad for her eva i'm gonna send it to the geos trio so that um should i send it to the wordle turtles while i'm at it maybe (laughs) i think really you should combine all of your rhyming groups and then we can (laughs) all know who we are we could all talk about you together eva said oh my god christine (laughs) so Um, i don't know if that's good or bad like it, it reminds i mean it was when I got to just be honest. I know where those little hearts came from and they are from Microsoft Paint. Um, yeah, exactly. With exactly. confidence. This with confidence I, they were back from Back when that. I had a Toshiba and I definitely couldn't afford Photoshop or I didn't even know it existed. This was you know back in 04. I actually became really good at Microsoft Paint and I became really good at whatever the Apple version is, Apple Preview. Oh. I... Wait, yeah, wait, yeah. You were weirdly good. You used that in pages and made like entire. Yeah, I can't Photoshop. I can't Photoshop, but you know what? 
I can fucking rock no, you some art on pages. <laughs> you would like, but, and the problem became, and by the way, I said 04. That's wrong. I was in seventh grade. Uh, this was definitely not 04. This was like, <laughs> you were oh, old wait. enough to know what you were doing. Is... <laughs> yeah, this is way too far in, into my life. Yeah, but the problem with M's like creepy skills on these like random platform, like the free platform that it's comes like, with your laptop, is they don't that, translate like, as a document. Yeah, well, so we'd be like, oh, we're pit- we're doing our new tour and our booking agent andrew was like okay do you have any graphics and em was like yeah i'll whip one up and it was like wow and em sent this awesome graphic and he was like can you send me and then they'd be like, oh, without fail the venue would be like could you send me the high res like pdf a layered file and em was like it's a pages document and they were like <laughs> we don't know what to it's do it's literally with that. word document it's, it's like, like a Microsoft you were like word. i can export it into word or take a screenshot and they were like that no <laughs> i i mean i know that it, but honestly what a compliment that a production company no, wait, was really? like we need the layered high res version of this like my entire um uh escape rooms are made on microsoft pages mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be clear <laughs> so no it's really remember, incredible it's it is a weird skill but i think it was because i i have the same need you do to want to know every skill because might as well know a skill if you can figure it out right but I would get too overwhelmed about not knowing a program. So I would learn it through a program I already felt safe with. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And so I'd be like, well, I can't do Adobe at all. But man, I know how to rock a Microsoft And also like it was free with the laptop. You don't have to pay for it to try and learn it. Like it's such a big undertaking to be like, I'm going to learn Photoshop, but now I have to pay for it first. Like, oh my gosh, no, no. So you did it. You don't need Photoshop. I, well, thank you. But I... I feel like you actually do it right. And if you say, I'm going to learn to animate, I know if I talk to you in 24 hours, you will like work for Marvel or something with your Yeah, right. You better believe it'll be the jankiest, like (laughs) stop motion bullshit that takes eight seconds, but like took me three days. You you are shocking for the time crunch. And if I gave you three days and you, first of all, I know Christine's up to something when she doesn't answer her phone. Like, (laughs) I know she has hyperfixated and spiraled so far that she it's doesn't cute. even know what a phone is anymore. No, like, no. And I so draw if, one, though, on on <laughs> on Adobe. If if I if I gave you three days and and taught you how to do a skill, the things that would come out of you in those three days are things that people would have spent like a whole summer camp trying to learn. <laughs> like it's it is crazy. And then if I gave you a week, forget about it. I don't Here's even want to know. Blaze was like, I'm learning coding, and I was like, what? He was like, I'm taking a coding course. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, why not? Like, learn a hobby. And I'm like, finally, he and I are similar in that way that you and I are similar where we hyperfixate on things like mm-hmm. his bourbon thing collection. And then now he's like learning coding and it's like all he's, you know. And uh, and so I was like, oh, I took some coding courses, but I got like really into it. And then I needed to stop because I was like, this is not my career. Like, this is wasting I my own time. I needed to stop time. before the CIA recruited me no. because I was so good at my MySpace no. HTML. No. I know my HTML. I know we all have a basic coding knowledge. If we, if, I was like, but Blaze, you never put pink skulls on your MySpace? And he was like, literally a- never. So he's like, <laughs> I, I got to have a MySpace. I was like, brag. Think of what would have happened if... We really all cont- it like if Facebook never happened and we all just kept coding on MySpace. Do you know how many people in tech there would be today? It would be STEM out the wazoo. Think of how many people are in tech because of MySpace. Because I was convinced at one point, I was like, I can Same. I can be a spy. I can hack. Like, this oh is God. amazing. You and I would be the best spies, except we would tell everyone we were spies. So it, we'd be like, 
the word we'd have one fatal flaw I think you're wrong because I think as long as we agreed to the buddy system and everyone gets oh, a one tell. we could know. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We could probably pull that off. If you we be were my one tell together. and I be your one tell and yeah, then yeah, we yeah, could yeah. really fuck up the world. Wow. The end. That's the our end. podcast, folks. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Love Chris Angel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to make Megan put... So, by the way, we have someone... I know. I feel like it's time we say it. Should I say it? Well, it's you already have said it, so yeah. Might as well finish the sentence. We are working with someone named Megan, and it wasn't my choice. It was not my choice, to be clear. And it was my choice, because I did say, okay, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. I It'll was like, f- you know what? The world's on fire. What else could go wrong? Exactly. Let's, let's it was, hire a Megan. Honestly, let's just like step one more step further into the chaos. Um, and so... Megan has been helping us a lot on social media. And so if you see any of those fun posts that she's been posting, um, they're they're from Megan. And so I'm going to say, Megan, here you go. And I'm going to send her this photo and say, post it on the Internet. And I'm not even going to do it myself. She's going to press the button and it's not going to be my fault. So find her on Instagram. Wake up one day to a bunch of complaints on our Instagram because everyone's like, this picture is too much for my eyes. And then, and then we're then... going to blame Megan. Hello. <laughs> it's the perfect scenario. Maybe that's why we got a Megan. So Honestly, if anything goes wrong, I could be like, well, come wait on Wait a now. second. That's actually genius because you know how people blame their own team? Like they're like, I, it's, it's not me. It's like the people my employees they Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean i'm 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 referencing a specific thing that i'm not going to call out but (laughs) a specific (laughs) drama that happened on the internet but yeah people always love to blame their social media person and i feel like we could do that especially with a megan definitely although i will say there are a few scorpios out there who i have changed my ways for and this megan is pretty pretty much nailing it so is she a scorpio that would be double trouble Honestly, Megan, if you are, keep it to yourself because I really I'm fighting this this urge to scream. Today. We'll pay, and, <laughs> we'll pay <laughs> to, for you to change your birth date. I don't know how much that costs, but we'll really pay. Christine will pay you to tell me that you're a Scorpio. Oh, Megan, yeah. So. In a special animated feature that I created and produced myself. <laughs> oh, talk about like a tangent lasagna. This like is we're a just site. This is a a. a disaster of an episode already Um, i haven't i haven't even asked you how you are are you okay are you doing well well thank you for asking i haven't had a drink in several days because i've been trying to cut back because i got to a point where i was like i mean and i've done this occasionally and i've talked about on the show where i i realized like hey i'm not sleeping well etc maybe i should just cut out booze for a little bit and like you know and then is it working and um i did stop making the honking sound in my sleep for a couple days what a side effect. Interesting. No. So, so do you think it's alcohol related? I think it's just when I'm really, really tired, but I've also been taking my iron supplements and I think they're finally uh. kicking in. So I think I'm like getting my little mojo back a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but so today, uh, as I warned everyone and myself last episode, I'm covering a very horrific case. That's one of the hardest that I've done ever. And so I am back to my booze hound ways for the evening. So I'm <laughs> feeling say, fine for the next was, hour. <laughs> you might need more than your iron supplements for uh, whatever. Yeah. For you to say, I got my mojo back. Anyway, back to ruining the, the mood because anyway, it's going to be horrible here. Talk about self-sabotage. That's my favorite activity. Um, em, how are you doing? Um, Besides 
today i don't know i really have been in such a weird mood and i don't know if it's the universe i don't know if it's just our planet which is just drastically <laughs> in crisis every second uh but yeah i'm just feeling real bummy lately i'm feeling like not depressed i'm just like maybe it's depressed maybe it's like a a subtle depression where mm-hmm. i'm just kind of like i just can't focus also i'm like my adhd has been a little crazy lately so i just i feel like extra stupid lately like every one of my like big issues is obviously with adhd is my like lack of focus or lack of attention but i feel like i've been retaining things even worse than usual so i just feel like i'm clueless and like all like i just feel like i'm always missing something in every conversation So I just, maybe I'm just down on myself. I don't know. But I, my, my brain is not happy currently. So uh, we'll get there though. It's just one of those days. Give yourself a break. Give yourself some grace. It's a very hard time. Um, I, I, as you know, I'm a big believer in just energy and I feel like the collective energy right now among the people we care about is very not good. Uh, just just internally, externally screaming. Yeah. All over the place. And I feel like um, it's it's totally fair that you feel off and don't know why. I don't know how to put your finger on it. Um, yeah. Because I think a lot of us are uh, feeling the, the hurt. I, yeah. I feel like I feel weirdly stressed, even though nothing too stressful is happening. And yeah. I, which is the worst because you're like, can't I just like relax while I, when i have a chance to relax i totally get what you mean and you're that's like that's the feeling i have a day and like it's i could i could just take I a feel break like i'm i feel like i'm wasting my day being yes. anxious about something coming up but nothing's coming up and then i just i'm not relaxing at all oh, i just feel I like i'm like absolutely get that feeling you're like, like heat up yeah yeah, yeah. i'm like right yeah. i'm like ready to fight and i don't know why yeah you're in like fight or flight oh yeah. no that's anyway i think i just need your a, nervous system I need a chocolate milk and I just need to like relax a little a bit. Chocolate I think. Milk. Yeah, you do need a chocolate milk. I do need chocolate milk. I'd so uh that might be how I en- enjoy I was actually supposed to have a chocolate milk yesterday as a reward for doing my notes and then I forgot because of my ADHD. I forgot, <laughs> <laughs> my one reward, I forgot to do it. No. So maybe today I'll have two chocolate milks and get real fucked up. I think you deserve two chocolate milks, but do it afterwards since you do have that phlegmy thing that happens uh-huh. when you drink dairy. <laughs> yeah fair enough my reward will be i can't breathe for the rest yeah, of the yeah, day yeah. <laughs> all right anyway let's get into the story okay. uh i do feel a lot better actually i don't know if maybe it was just i just needed to vent or i just maybe a combo of like i miss you and all this stuff i just i think talking to you is always very calming to i me, always so. feel better when we after we chit chat and i i think we I do too. I don't know what it is. I mean, we don't, obviously, like, necessarily friendship, but want, yeah. And I think we don't always want to record because it's like, wow, it's such a big undertaking and it's so much time and it's so much emotional energy putting, especially with like, if we're doing like a dark story and it's so it's just like a big, it's not that we don't want to record, but it's like, oh, this is like a big project. But I think then when mm-hmm. we start talking, it's like, oh, yeah, this is also fun. So, oh, yeah, it's friendship. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I like this person a little tiny bit. By the way, I am keeping your Chris Angel picture up for the entire episode, just <laughs> so I have something to encourage me in this You're dark time. Welcome. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. 
Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly, this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space. They also just launched a new standing desk, co-pilot with adjustable height, a durable scratch-resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever. I'm in the market for a new desk, um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark. And of course, there's Burroughs Legacy seating collections like the Nomad and Range, now available in new colors. And M and I, that's like the only piece of furniture I think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department. Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, so this is a continuation from the last episode I did, which was the Maringa abduction. Mm, Yeah, oh my gosh. Um... And we were actually supposed to record this oh, this episode a while ago, but I ended up having to push it with Christine because a lot of my uh, research was in literal Portuguese. And was like, yeah, you know, I didn't realize it would all be um, in Portuguese, so I kind of need need an extra hour. I was like, let's give it a couple days and we'll come back to this. I Well, because I was trying to like run the notes through like Google Translate, so then I ended up... <laughs> Like, it didn't really help because then I had to translate very, very broken, probably not right English into oh, so a lot of this is guesswork. Um, by the way, have you ever seen I think it's Jimmy Fallon who does the Google Translate game? No, but I love Jimmy Fallon and you're not a Jimmy Fallon fan, right? I don't like Jimmy Fallon. But, I uh, unless we ever him. get on Jimmy Fallon, then like I like, could not love a man more. Then scrub this from the record. No, but <laughs> right. I fucking love. So I feel like I may have seen it, but I don't but it sounds like something he would do. He it's like a they he makes I think I think it was like he has musicians come on and sing a song that's been thrown <laughs> through Google Translate and then brought back Wait, to that's English. That's really funny actually. I think the games are his whoever's his creating are so good. Whoever creates the games fucking brilliant you need your own show where you just teach us how you create those it's true all the bits they're just excellent i'm just not a i'm just not jimmy fallon fan um i'm a i think i'm a kimmel kind of person love kimmel i love them all um well you know who i you know know (laughs) you know who i loved um when i was younger was um and by loved i mean like was in love with was chelsea handler i chelsea lately i I was I thought I was going to marry her. You know, it's so funny is my pal Alyssa Evans uh, was also just obsessed with Chelsea Handler and is now also very into women. And I'm like, I wonder <laughs> if that was also a little. I wonder if she's crush, like, crush. I wonder if she's like a, a, a bridge into Maybe. the into gay like... world. <laughs> I don't know. There's something a gateway about her. Drug, you know, I just I 
I don't know what her. I don't know. I don't know what my deal was with her. But if I ever met her, I think I'd be incredibly starstruck. Oh would... my gosh. Anyway, um, so basically, Portuguese ruined my day last week, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to <laughs> translate my notes in time. So we're doing this a little delayed. But um, to catch you up, the Mar- Maringa abduction was uh, a guy and his brother getting abducted by aliens and. Uh, the main character of the last episode, Joselino, he, mm. um, they were separated, so we don't know what happened to their brother, but at least for Joselino, he ended up being um, essayed by um, a female alien and uh, with the intention of, there was a, a, they were ex- conducting an experiment to try to have a baby with a human. Yikes. Yikes. Um, and what was, the reason that this story is coming up today that I'm about to cover is because this story only happened two months later. Um, and so it's around the same time, relatively in the same area on earth. Um, and so they, they are usually paired together as a interesting that these happened at the same time and have so many parallels. Right. Um, so this is the story of, I think it's called the Mirasol contact um and the our main character is antonio carlos ferreria ferreira ferreira i think is how you say it um and so here we go i guess uh the so i guess you seem very confident (laughs) i was gonna try to like piece them together more but i was like well we'll get there we'll get there in the story i don't know what it is in portuguese but you should say vamos (laughs) uh uh, just vamos will do that's all we're gonna do okay <laughs> so uh mirasol is a city in sao paulo and antonio carlos who is our main character the thing that's interesting about him is that uh he had up to 20 encounters with these beings oh after my his first abduction so he has been experiencing things through the 70s into the 80s and I don't know if it continued after that. The furthest we get is to 1986. Wow. Um, and it seems like the aliens were showing up about every 18 months or so. Um, Gee, that's a lot. Yeah. It's I like can't... right when you forget about it, they come Right. Back. Like you're like, oh, so much time's passed. Never mind. <sighs> Never mind. So this is also similar to a case from 1957 which um, I have not covered before, but I feel like now I'm really on a roll and probably should cover this. Um, there's a case of a man named Antonio Villaboas uh, in 1957, and he was also um, essayed by no. extraterrestrials. I think that's why I've never covered it, because I think uh, all of these I was really uncomfortable sure. to cover because... I'm not someone who usually has to handle talking about that kind of stuff publicly and I get really nervous and all that. So it's a big obviously undertaking. I, obviously I have the best intentions and I am on the right side of history, everybody. So I hope if I ever say anything that I just get nervous because I want to make sure I'm doing it justice and while also not re-traumatizing anyone who might be listening. So um but yeah, I've been avoiding these topics for a while and now that I'm in the thick of it, <laughs> maybe that one will also be coming up soon. I'll be honest, that's kind of why I'm doing the Girl Scout murders today is because I've been ignoring them for so long. And I got to a point where I was like, I have the notes. Yeah, it's a very I've been seeing it around in the news a little bit. And I'm like, hey, I need to like, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to tell the story. And even though it's 
rough. So it's rough. Yeah. Look at us yeah. breaking our own. I know. Well, I boundaries. feel bad for you because for me, just talking about essay and my story is rough. But for you, you have to like really tell a horrible story. We're both stretching our boundaries in different ways. But and... on the flip side, you have to react to it, which is also not fun. It's going to be a lot of me going, oh, my God, I don't want to be here. So yeah. That's... yeah, yeah, yeah. How good for you and me yeah. and everybody. <sighs> so anyway, one of the sources out there about this uh, alien abduction or several abductions is called UFO Contact at Mirasol. I hope I'm pronouncing okay. that right. Mirasol would be yeah. the... Um, and like I said, a lot of sources either were in Portuguese or had Portuguese in them or the quotes were in Portuguese. And it's just... It was... A bit of a nightmare for me. Uh, it was just a new challenge that I don't usually have to deal with. Right. Um, and so I don't really have anything except to just kind of start l listing what happened during each of the encounters. So, uh, and I don't have all 20 encounters written out. Some of them I couldn't find anything on except that he had another encounter. And then it just goes into the next date. Um, but there are some dates that are very notable. So okay. one of the first ones... Uh, that's very notable is his first encounter with them. And keep in mind, this was only two months after the story that I did last week. So um, interesting timing. And how close is this place to where the first one happened? Five and a half hours away. Okay, but in Brazil. In Brazil. Got it. Um, so there you go. Only five hours away, two months from the last time that this happened. Okay. So this is June 28th, 1979. And at 3am, our main character, Antonio, he is working as a uh, security guard uh, during the night shift at a furniture factory. And so he's doing his rounds and he makes his way to like a, a bathhouse or a outdoor bathroom. And he's walking around with his guard dog. So the two of them are walking up through the courtyard up to this bathhouse. And all of a sudden they see a light touch down outside mm -hmm. and not knowing what it is. They go out to see a gray metallic UFO with three legs coming out of it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like on a tripod. Um, and it has green and red lights and out of the UFO come three male humanoid beings. Oh, boy. We're coming in hot. This yep. is a very... <laughs> For this, real. There's no uh, warm-up into the story. No. So these... Th and apparently they were similar to... Some of them, at least, uh, were similar to how the ones looked in our last episode, where they were, like, oddly human. Like, you almost wouldn't even notice. It makes they... you wonder if they're, like projecting themselves into yeah. a way that you can see them you know yeah it, ugh. um and so these three humanoids they have white jumpsuits and full face helmets so you can't even mm -hmm. see their face mm -hmm. like an astronaut helmet mm -hmm. the jumpsuits had boxes on either side so one box on the chest and one box on the back of the jumpsuit and the uh one of the boxes had a tube leading to the helmet so i guess this is how they're breathing in our atmosphere. Oh, okay. And the jumpsuits had an insignia on it, um, and the symbol was a cross inside of a circle. So it looks like almost like a like an archery, like a target. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and so they, him and this dog, they see these three things come out of a UFO, and the 
guard dog lunges at them and they do something it was like clearly like by using the force i guess and mm-hmm. they do something to make the dog stop in its tracks and like kind of fall over so he's not being dangerous to them they didn't um, kill him though right no they just kind of knocked him over so he wouldn't Phew. charge with them um but i will say apparently for the next few weeks the dog did have some behavioral changes so he, he had was a little, probably scared he had some trauma yeah um, but the dog was fine, and that's the end of the story with the dog. So Thank we God. can r- remove him from our head. Thank you for gently handling me with care. As You're welcome. I struggle through your story. <laughs> I I knew to even warn you that we were done with that. So like you I don't even have to think it about it so much, so much. Um. So so now it's just uh, well, not Angelino, Antonio. I was like I, in my head. I was like Los Angeles. I was like, Los Angeles? Hang on. <laughs> I complete in my head. I that's messed where it up. I am. Right. I was like, Angelina. I was like, that's what I am, technically. So, um, Antonio. Uh, he's by himself with these three things. He's just watched them knock over the dog without even touching the dog. Mm. And they have this box, and they open up the box, and inside is this red laser or red light. And they point it at Antonio, and it paralyzes him. And then mm. he f- starts floating and floats with them to the craft. Uh oh, that's what happened UFO. to Host. What was the yep. name? Hostelino. Yeah, he, Hostelino he also, also floated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. And and uh, Antonio says that he his main way of transit to these UFOs every time was through floating. So already a similarity there. <laughs> oh, also, no. these humanoid-looking beings. I don't remember their, them having jumpsuits or an insignia with the last guy but they do seem to be like relatively human looking so i don't know yeah yeah um and this is a quote so he he's in the middle of the courtyard when he sees this and then he starts floating um onto the ufo and a quote about it later said later investigation showed that a few meters from the bathhouse his steps on the ground disappeared in such a way that it seemed like he went out and evaporated into thin air and there were no other steps besides his oh so, my goodness confirmation that he just began floating in the middle That's of the freaky. grass but also there were no steps from anyone else so like where were they floating or uh. they, are they so light they don't leave footprints i don't know oh my god so when he was brought back to the craft, he saw, he was able to see Earth through a window. I guess their windows had like red glass. He, so huh. he was looking through this red glass window, red tinted window, and he could see Earth, but he could tell that he was very far away. So this is a quote about him looking through the window. Twice when Antonio Carlos came near this window, he felt very truthfully horrified to see the earth very small and distant where he could make out small lights very dim and he thought they might be cities. Oh, that's got to be freaky. In like seconds flat, this guy is like not near earth. (gasps) He also apparently saw while on this UFO, quote, four robot like creatures that were parked in a row along the wall when they were not working so these aliens also have robots okay so it's not the aliens it's a different thing yeah he, they like have their own c-3po i don't know Ooh, okay so here are here's a description of the different types of extraterrestrials he saw there they all had uh for the most part the first group of them were about four feet tall. They had very large facial traits, so big eyes, big ears, big nose. 
They had large slanted eyes, but no eyebrows. They had green or brown skin, and the people with brown skin had red curly hair. Or they were lighter skinned with straight black hair. So those are the ones that probably looked the most human, I guess. Sure. Um, Just because the the combination of green skin with red hair is not what I find (laughs) often here. Um, But so there was also dark skin or light skin with straight black hair. So I would say those are probably... Maybe those were the ones that they're he nailing felt. it. Yeah, they if they were all in disguise, they were definitely doing the best job. They their parents bought their Halloween costumes <laughs> instead of making them. <laughs> so the other group of people that he saw, some of them had maroon colored skin, and some of them were very light skinned with blonde hair and blue eyes. And those people were the ones that had a white and blue jumpsuit with a green belt. Okay, so he saw like a, a real variety of people. Yeah, for real. Um, and apparently of all of them, the green aliens, the green skin aliens, they seemed to be the alphas because they were the one that he always saw at control tables giving orders. The green skin ones. The green skin ones. So I don't With- know if there's a hierarchy, but he thinks the green ones were probably in charge. Okay. Okay. And they had the red hair. Uh, that's what I think. Green or curly. brown skin with red curly hair. Okay. So. He was then, uh, this is still during his first encounter, while he was up there, he was put in front of this TV projector kind of thing to have his photo taken, um, and he thinks this machine was also somehow able to, like, read his thoughts. Uh-oh. I, he, I didn't get any more information other than that, but he was like, it can tell what I'm thinking. You know, I've heard a few abduction stories where people say, oh, they knew what I was thinking. So without creepy. elaborating and i i wonder if there's just a way that you can know like oh they're in my mind no wonder you're so scared of them maybe being able to read your mind because it does seem like a common thread right of, like they can and also like we don't know what their machines can do maybe it really was like an x-ray but for your thoughts or Ooh. what if it was like maybe it was translating however you speak so then it could talk oh, to you i don't Ooh. know um So anyway, so then he goes into this room with, quote, one of these small beings who was completely nude, clearly demonstrating her intention to take his hand. So this is where I say trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. Um, Skip a few minutes and hopefully um, if this is something you don't want to hear, then, you know, I hope you, you know, good luck. I, I hope you avoid it. Yeah. So she is completely nude tries to take his hand and she's very very heavily implying that she wants him to kiss her um and he kept saying he kept thinking the whole time that he didn't want to because she was ugly okay so (laughs) okay (laughs) and when they saw but here's the thing because apparently he's even at one point telling her like you're ugly i don't well she's reading his fucking mind so that must be awkward (laughs) that's actually a good point yeah that makes me wonder then too because i'm like if they can read his mind that they had to know he didn't want this um i think they seem to care very much they certainly don't because my next bullet is when they saw he wasn't interested on his own three of the male beings tore off his clothes and when he fought back they got really aggressive Oh, my God. Um, Interestingly, they made no efforts to undo his buttons or his zippers or his fasteners at all. Um, They just ripped his shirt from the collar down. And um, in hindsight, 
researchers have thought maybe this is because they were all wearing one piece jumpsuits and they didn't know how fasteners work. Sure. I guess if you don't have a button on your yeah. planet, how are you supposed to know? Right. So um, one of the theories is that I, I know how fucked up this sounds and I'm not in agreement with it, but one of the theories is they didn't mean to be so aggressive. They just don't know how to take off human clothes. Right. Um, and so that was a thought. And then here is a quote. It is very long, but I did not want to mess it up um, about the experience he had. Um, it appears that the UFO knots stripped Antonio naked and then rubbed his body all over with a thin yellowish oil, even his face, perhaps as a disinfectant or a germicidal agent to protect the female cosmonaut, and possible to protect him also from transmittal of some kind of bacteria that might be harmful to us. This may also have been the reason for stripping him naked. I beg to differ going further, but okay. <laughs> then when he resisted the attentions of the, U the UFO knot, he was made to drink a different liquid, possibly an aphrodisiac, to stimulate his interest in the act with the woman. Oh, when my God. Yeah. When he still resisted, he was held securely by three of the UFO knots and was given an intravenous injection <gasps> in the left arm. Yeah. And this evidently had the desired effect, but he was still fighting to resist touching her because he thought she was ugly. It was at this point that he was given a shot of something in the right arm and they fastened an instrument onto his left arm. The shot broke his resistance and he felt weak all over. He was lifted and held in position on top of the female extraterrestrial <gasps> to complete the sex act, possibly monitored by the instrument on his left arm because they knew when to let him go. <gasps> So it's as if it was Whoa, reading. That was bad. Yeah. And also, like, I beg to differ on, like, oh, because he thought she was ugly. It's like, right. um, maybe he's just, like, maybe he I just don't want doesn't this. fucking want doesn't this. doesn't matter why. Right. So I uh, <sighs> saw one set of notes that said that he was, like, screaming, like, you're ugly. I don't want this. And it was, I don't know. For all we know, that was just him trying to say anything that would hurt her so that he wouldn't have to to like explain or something yes um and interestingly this answers a question i had from the last episode when i was like it's really i'm curious as to why or how it worked that um Hosolino, when he also experienced something like this not as ag physically aggressively i guess but um unless we don't know all the information but in his story he was also on top and mm -hmm. I was I was confused because I was like, how was that happening? But in this story, that kind of answers it where like three different beings held him on top. Yeah. And it seemed to control him with yeah. some sort of armband or whatever. Yeah. That could like tell when he was no longer disturbing. This is that's uh -huh. yeah. deeply disturbing. Yeah. This is definitely the most uncomfortable I've ever been, I think, reporting a story on my end. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's a toughie. So after all this, they reapplied that oil on him mm -hmm. and then let him put his clothes back on. Okay. Um, so I think that is probably where we can end the trigger warning. It doesn't okay. get more as graphic as that. So. so if you have been skipping forward, you should be okay. Yes. Now. And the extraterrestrials, I don't know what to call them. I like the word cosmonaut. That was cool. Um, yeah, they said UFO knot. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, these 
UFO knots. They talk they apparently talked to each other in the room with him after this, but they were talking in a language that sounded something like Japanese and apparently all of their voices were just in a higher pitch just to give you a description of how they talked um and so he couldn't understand them but when they would look at him and directly talk to him all of a sudden he could understand them sure yeah so creepy freaky um so maybe it was telepathically that he could hear them and these beings basically said that they were now going to or they had just examined the woman in the other room and they told Antonio that she was pregnant with his baby. And wait, what? I guess it works differently up there. You don't have to wait a certain amount of time to find out. They were able to see instantaneously Jeez. that she was now pregnant. Okay. Um, and then this is a quote from them. Apparently they told Antonio, this was not the first such experiment to succeed. <laughs> so this has happened to other people. Dear God. Um, they said they were researchers trying to, quote, produce a child of an Earth man. And then they said they would come back so he could meet his kid. Oh, um, how nice. He's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. I um, did not ask for that. I don't think. They also marked him with their sim- with the symbol of the cross in a circle. I don't know if that means they branded him or something. Um, Weird. There's, there's no proof ever that that I could find that he, like, shows off his markings to people which like first of all why would you that's not anyone's business but your own but also if he was looking to like prove anyone wrong or prove anyone right or whatever yeah, i mean it could just be like a marker that washed uh, yeah. off oh that's true i didn't know if like for evidence like he still had it on him but right, yeah he, right. it could have literally just been a marker um but all i know is that they marked him and i don't know what that word means um Weird. but so they marked him with their symbol um and then they made him drink quote a dark disagreeable exotic tasting liquid okay that's awful it's called kalua no. <laughs> <laughs> um and basically when he came back or when they brought him back to earth all he remembers is waking up near the bathhouse by the courtyard at 5 a.m oh my god and he's like still on the job <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh my god. What a what a point. I didn't even think about that. Like, oh now he's still working. Now it's Um, five AM and he's like super. Yeah. And I don't know if I think that whole story was found out later in hypnosis. I think he just lost time at three AM to five AM. That's what that's what happens a lot too, is that like these stories are buried subconsciously until hypnosis brings it out. Well, that's also what happened with um, Hostelino in the last right? episode where he had to go get hypnosis to even oh, know what happened to him. Um, and he just kind of woke up in the spot where he remembers passing out. And that's what happened here. So, so it's like they erase your memory, but they can't like get like fully get rid of it almost. Yeah. I wonder like, if that's what the gross liquid was that maybe <gasps> they it's oh, like a, a memory eraser. I hadn't thought of that. I don't know. But when so when he came to um, he saw an injection mark on his arm. Yikes. He saw, oh, he saw a burn mark. So maybe he was burned. Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, and he experienced intense body tingles, uh, which apparently lasted on and off for years after this. Oh. So he, Well, that sounds a lot like the, uh, well, maybe not. But in my mind, it reminds me of the electric shock that the other guy Yeah. Felt. Well, I was going to say, Hostelino also, he felt a lot of body tingles. 
I remember oh, he said okay. like he was like walking around and he felt body tingles when it was following him for the first time and it didn't feel like he said they were bad chills. Oh, the chill. Yeah. Oh, ew. So I wonder if those are the same. But also, yeah, maybe he was like a little electrocuted or something from because in the last story I covered, Joselino got shocked when he tried to uh, talk about talk what happened. Talk about it. So when he got home, his mom could tell he was acting weird and he eventually told her and she went looking for help. Um, so that was the first encounter. And next, I guess, um, I don't know if there was an encounter during this time. This was part, this was a part that was like all Portuguese and I couldn't translate. Um, so something happened during August and September (laughs) in in 1979. And all I know, uh, about this time is that Antonio went to go get hypnosis therapy, um, with, uh, a guy named Alvaro Fernandez. Uh, And he did this to try to remember what happened. And his first two sessions were August 5th and August 19th. Um, And that was when I think maybe he was able to recall what happened in June. Right. So I don't think I even noticed this until right now. So August 5th is when he had his first hypnosis therapy session, which is when he would have started talking about this to somebody Mm -hmm. and maybe the aliens knew about it or heard him talk about it because the next day was his next encounter. Aha. Oh, see, I'm picking up on things I didn't even know I was picking up on. Okay. So that August 5th was hypnosis day. August 6th, um, going into August 7th at 11 o'clock at night, there was a strange object that was seen flying through the skies of Mirasol. Um, many people saw it in the city. It was reported by a lot of people because people were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It was apparently uh, an oblong shape. It was dark yellow and had lights around the rim of it. Okay. And alongside this UFO, a one that was red instead of gold was also seen and it was moving a lot slower, like it was on patrol or searching for something. Ew. And... It was reportedly disappearing in front of people's eyes and re-emerging in different places. So it Yuck. was like it had either like some sort of incognito and visibility mode or it was teleporting or something. Yeah. Um, and the main theory is that the yellow UFO was the mothership and the red one was a lower ranking ship doing a task. Um, I don't love that. Well, so that was at 11 p.m. August 6th. Um, I think Antonio was asleep at the time, so he didn't even know that that happened and people were seeing these UFOs, but six hours later, uh, he was abducted. So it was <sighs> like six hours after everybody was reporting all of this stuff. Took them six hours to find this guy? I know. Yeah, not a very good little very teleporter good. down there. Well, so he, I, I, we assume he was abducted because he left for work around 4 a.m., but he... Um, he planned on going to work, but then he saw this red light and felt dizzy. And maybe that comes from the red ship. So he saw this red light and felt really dizzy and it made him feel so sick. He couldn't remember anything else and ended up walking back home and he got home at 6am. So there's two hours of time missing. Oh no. But all he remembers is feeling dizzy, sitting down and then getting up and going home. But two hours passed and he didn't (sighs) live that far away on foot from work. Yeah. Yeah. And while walking home, he had body tingles again, and he later found another injection mark on his arm, and that injection site uh, was beginning to bleed at random. Uh, uh. 
Now that I do not like. No. So that's maybe the second time that there was an encounter. Okay. Um, after that, in September, he sees a green light that apparently spoke telepathically to him. Uh, the same thing happens to him a month later on October 8th. Uh, and then there's several months that go by without anything until February of 1980. And all I could find for sources on this was the words trees uprooted. <gasps> so I don't dun, know. Dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but apparently something alien E happened to him and trees were uprooted. Or he found trees that were uprooted. I don't know. Very scary. Then nothing happens until like two years later, as far as my notes could find. Maybe there was something I missed. But January 1982, he sees one of these beings in the woods. (gasps) No. Absolutely not. Why is he in the woods? Six months later in July 1982, he sees another UFO. Uh, similar to the ones he'd seen before but he it was so close to him that he could look through the window and in the ufo he could see a female alien and a smaller alien looking at him which may or may not be his child and the person he had the child with i Um, didn't even think about that the child mm -hmm, because now it's been what four years or some three years i didn't even think about that oh god m no so they're like anyway here we promised you could see your child exactly so they were looking at him through the window and that was as far as i know the whole encounter a month later though antonio is beamed up to the ufo through a green light and when he gets there uh onto the ufo he's injected with this yellow liquid and he meets two aliens, and one of them is allegedly his child. <gasps> and it's either this is either the right date or it's two years later. I saw different sources say different things. So it was either this August 1982 or in 1984, this happens where he meets his child. Um, but it comes up eventually. Um, and then that same year, four months later, New Year's Eve 1982. At 2 a.m., Antonio wakes up to a bright green light and in his own house. He wakes up to this green light oh, in his house. no. And he sees that the back door to his house is open. Oh, no. And he hears a noise in the next room. Oh, my God. Honestly, forget it. Forget um, it. The same three aliens that he has seen many times at this point, they were in the room when he went to go check. And they asked, are you scared? And he literally said no one walked away, which at this point, how could you like, (laughs) I think that's such a badass power move of like, oh, no, I'm not scared. Please fucking leave me alone. I just want to go back to sleep. Yeah. And so um, he was like, no, I'm not scared. And he tries to walk away. But then I don't know if that pissed him off or if they weren't done with their conversation. But all of a sudden they have this object that can shoot green light and they shot it at him. So I don't know if it was like, are you scared? You should be. What do you mean you're not scared and we don't have power over you? I don't know what caused it. What did the green light do? So it shot at him and the light burned his shirt. Oh. And I I guess maybe either once it hit his shirt, maybe he moved or either they were, their their shooting was shaky because not only did it burn the shirt, but it also burned the calendar on the wall next to him. So, oh, and he doesn't remember anything else after that. But when he comes to 
hours later, he sees that his chest and arm have another injection mark and he has cuts all over him. Oh my God. This is when Antonio went looking for his own help and he finds a guy named Professor Ney Matiel Piers. Pires? Pires? Uh, it's, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Professor Pires. Um, and he agrees to meet Antonio like the next day. He's like, listen, it's New Year's Eve. I'm probably very sleepy. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next day he shows up and he goes to the house and he sees his shirt and the calendar and the wall all with these burn marks. So he knows that Antonio's legit. And two months later in March, 1983, apparently three different times this month, Antonio witnesses the extraterrestrials again. Oh my God. So that was, imagine thinking like, Oh, I just saw them, but they only show up every six months or so. At least I've got six months off, but now it's March and you see them three times in a month. Like it's like, it's just so, chaotic now like the the timing makes no sense it's scary you never know because then after he he saw them three times that month in march 1983 he doesn't see them again until summer 1984 okay so it's really just at random it's which is just hate that additionally horrible because you can't even prepare for it no so this is july 15th 1984 Um, And this becomes a thing where he, the next few times he experiences them is when he steps outside for a second and like the second his foot hits the outdoors, he is getting beamed up by a light. Like doesn't stand a fucking (laughs) chance. No, see, this is when my thought is, if they ask me, are you scared? I'd be like, fuck yes. It's like you win. I'm out. I don't want this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I would do too. Um. So he wakes up in the middle of the night and every time it seems like he's waking up for a random reason, like he was weirdly overheating one night. Um, So I don't know if like they're causing him, like maybe they can't beam him up in the house because for all the times they encounter him, they can't bring him into the UFO from inside a house. Oh, I wonder if like they, he would like hit the roof and get stuck on his house or something (laughs) where like he like can't go through, he can't phase through other objects and they have this pretty decorative grate on the chimney so they can't really right. like pull him through there either <laughs> well well also i was thinking like i feel like wasn't there a ufo story i covered a while ago where like they would almost hypnotize you into walking outside yourself or maybe they um i feel like they like they just floated you through your own house until you could get to the door i don't that's know that's freaky i i feel like something like that has happened but i guess they can't get to him if he's in his house or they can't at least beam him up. They can only come inside and interact with him there. Hmm. But um, anyway, so he wakes up in the middle of the night for no reason and he goes outside to get some fresh air, instantly beamed up by a green light. And he's brought to a planet's surface. Like oh, not sure, even, sure, 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 sure. Not even it just hanging out in the sky. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So um, apparently these are the same beings as usual, but there's one of each. So he sees one with maroon colored skin, one with green colored skin, and one with white colored skin. Okay. And they put this device on his left arm. Feels normal at this point, probably. Mm -hmm. They took some of his blood, and then these escorts brought him to a spaceport, um, which was hidden inside of a crater. Oh, interesting. Even crazier, this crater apparently was inside of whatever living rock is. Huh? They said, oh, the crater's inside living rock. I was like, <gasps> uh, girl, that's girl, rock. what? I'm confused. 
So anyway, they go into this crater, they see a, a spaceport, and he realizes that this spaceport is basically like a garage for a variety of different UFO ships. Um, I saw in one source that they actually taught him how to fly a fucking UFO. Oh! So, but then that's another thing where it's like, is this Stockholm syndrome or is he just agreeing to everything just for his own self-preservation? Like, Or does he not were... have control and they're just controlling yeah. him? That's how I would think it is, that he's just like smiling and nodding and getting through it to survive. Right. But one, one article kept making it sound like they were buddies now, oh. which freaks me out but then i also think about the last episode where Joselina was like they're really good people and i'm like are you saying that because you mean it or because you're scared it does sound like stockholm syndrome, right for lack of so, a better word yeah I, I don't know what the right phrasing is but like i want to believe everything a survivor is saying but also like it's a little hard to believe i'm like are you do you just not feel safe and you feel like you have to make light of it or also, apparently, while he's in this crater and in this garage with all the UFOs, he sees rocks with symbols on them uh, in the, I guess he's assuming it's the, this alien language. Um, on some of these rocks, he sees the same emblem that they have on their jumpsuits. He sees a triangle. Apparently, they started marking him with these triangles and symbols that he was seeing on the rocks. And during this event, they injected him with a white substance and marked him with more symbols. Oh my god. And while he's here, he also sees hairy extraterrestrials that look like monkeys. And then he also sees uh, what looks like hairy crabs, but they feel cold as ice to the touch. Ugh. And here's the weird thing. Apparently the beings told him, oh yeah, we release a few of those at every place we land. Like what? The so, beings, not the crabs. The be the extraterrestrials said they released the crabs. They release these little crab things at every the place fuck? they land. So, like, if you've ever seen a really hairy crab that's yeah, ice are they cold on to Earth? the touch? I don't know. I'm, apparently, he'd never seen one before. Uh, but he was like, "What the fuck is this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah." Like, it also, what do they have? Like GPS on them or something? Like, how is it to track that you've been here before? Like a a bucket list check off? Like, what's? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But is it for fun? Is it like a weird, shitty prank? I don't know. I don't get it. How weird. And so at the same time, uh, before he gets back to Earth, he's looking out of uh, the windows and he can see the atmosphere. Apparently, he actually properly described what was going on in the atmosphere that night because later they were able to corroborate that with like meteorologists. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Oh, that's freaky. But he was like front row, front and center, being able to watch what was happening. It was super <gasps> creepy. So then at the end of this trip, the extraterrestrials finally, maybe, introduce him to his daughter. Um, and I say oh maybe. Be God. I say maybe because there was another source that said this happened two years prior. But this, this source seemed to have more information. Um, so at the end of this trip, he sees these monkeys. He sees these hairy crabs. And now he's seeing his daughter. Apparently her name is Azalea. And uh, she seemed bigger than human children are at that age. Apparently, she was very, very smart. Apparently, she was dark-skinned with red hair, and she had smaller ears. So I guess she got her ears from him because How usually they have... cute. I know. But usually they have, like, larger, slanty, pointy Pictures. ears. Oh, okay. And, and hers seemed more human. Um, and apparently, quote, she had no desire to meet her terrestrial relatives. So... There you have that. 
honestly, they should have just let it be then. But okay. Exactly. Yeah. If she was, I don't think was he like, was asking to meet her either. So, I I mean I can't even imagine what that what that experience is like. I imagine part of you is re-traumatized. Yeah, part of like you why, is maybe uh, curious, maybe not. I don't know. Ugh. Um. So I don't know what he was going through in the moment. Probably just shell shocked again about having to be abducted sure. for the twentieth time in like five years. Um. Ugh. And so. That was in July, and then they don't talk to him again until November, where, again, he wakes up in the middle of the night, he goes outside for a moment, immediately beamed up, this time by a red light, which I don't know if green and red light mean different things. Weird. But, but the first time he saw the UFO, he said it had green and red light, so maybe it's True. just like oh, just a random... Luck of the draw. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So he gets beamed up then. Uh, a month later, it's 11 p.m., and he walks outside and is, again, instantly beamed up. Um, he doesn't remember anything, lost a chunk of time, but there was an injection site when he woke up. And then they leave him alone for another couple months until March 1985. And there's another encounter where he is thought for, I think this was thought to be the last encounter for a while, um, but they just keep showing up. So I think this was one of the moments where he actually felt like, Ah, no more. And then Aww. it just kept happening. A year later, May 1986, uh, at this time it happens literally at Antonio's fucking work. <gasps> and he was apparently so fed up. He was, especially because like that was like over a year later. So maybe he thought like, I'm finally getting some peace. That must be a nightmare. Like you just, he's like, it's never going to end. So he was fed up. He fucking snapped and he pulled a gun on the UFO because <gasps> he's a security guard. So he had a gun on him at work. So he called for backup which i wonder if that means he had told people already like oh yeah this ufo follows me mobilize or, or if he was like i don't know if he was just gonna blow their minds when they saw a ufo i don't know what he thought was gonna happen but <laughs> he called for backup and pulled out a gun and the backup didn't get there in time and all they found was his hat and gun on the ground <gasps> and they called the police and everyone was looking for him all day and apparently he had been beamed up again and woke up hours later outside of the factory in some bushes. Holy like, shit. And the he was still in touch with this professor who was trying to help him. The professor, I think, was aware of like his hypnosis conversation. So maybe like he was more involved or invested or in in the know. But he came with the police looking for him when he went <gasps> missing. And the professor uh apparently is the one that found uh, burn marks in the grass that looked like UFO legs and a ramp, like a descending Yikes. ramp. Um, and I guess he was able to calculate the size of the UFO that picked him up. And it was only three meters wide, but a lot of Antonio's stories seem like he was first picked up by a smaller UFO and then brought to the mothership. Oh, Okay. So the last encounter we know of, or that at least I could find, was a month later in June 1986. It was around 10.30 a.m., which was the first time that he had been abducted in broad daylight. Um, he was beamed up again, and that's that's really the last of the sightings I could find. And as for Antonio and the extraterrestrials, they apparently know that the professor was trying to help Antonio. And so of the professor... Apparently, the extraterrestrials are, quote, aware of the professor and his interests and what he's doing. They showed Antonio how they can see what is happening at a distance. 
They have not agreed to allow the professor to meet Antonio's extraterrestrial daughter yet, but they have not ruled it out yet either. So what the fuck? Can you imagine finding out that your friend who keeps getting abducted, like they know about you? Can you imagine if I got abducted and then I was like, by the way, they told me to tell Christine hi. Like, Honestly, what? yeah, because that is my fear is that they know that I'm thinking about them. They <laughs> Imagine if I got abducted and I came back down and I was like, they told me to tell you they are aware. They aren't sure if you're allowed to meet your niece slash nephew slash nibbling yet, um, but maybe someday. For I mean, truly for the And I mean, like, this guy was just trying to help Antonio through it. But I guess maybe they had told him, like, don't talk to anybody. Well, it sounds like he was, like, very invested and interested, which is probably not to their benefit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Ah! Anyway, that that is the story of the Mirasol abductions. Oh, my God. And that happened, like, two months after the fucking... The Maringa abduction. Yeah. And it, it does have a lot of parallels. I mean, they both, all the way down to the awful graphic stuff stuff yeah but like constantly losing track of time having these body tingles do you think uh like researching both of these do you think they are the same group of extraterrestrials i don't know because the description of how they looked was different for each of them but um i wonder if that's just like they were different departments of the same research team or something i don't know yeah or if they like present how they think you personally I also like to think of it. Yeah, that's true. But then again, like, I don't think meeting someone with green skin is going to make me feel more relaxed about my abduction. But um, (laughs) I do. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I do wonder, um, you know how, like, when there was, like, the race to the moon. Like, I wonder if there's, like, there was a race to this experiment. Competing almost. Yeah, maybe it was, like, just a. Because for it to also be in the same location, uh, only two months later, like same time, same place, it feels like they were racing to for Their the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe that's what it was. I have no idea. You know, I'm freaked out. I know you're freaked out. And next week, I I was thinking about doing the other the Antonia Villa Boaz case, but I might hold off on that. I don't know if I can tolerate talking about essay three weeks in a row so god yeah i mean give yourself a break i guess yeah it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes and there goes Junie. Literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships for free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper 
and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Shout out, by the way, to um, I've got a friend named Emma who works at Starbucks. Um, they oh, I wanted those cups so bad. She's a real homie. She was like a huge fan of London Fog Friday, which I wish I could still do, but I still can't figure out fucking close friends on Instagram. Honestly, close um, friends is letting us down because uh, they make astronomically it so like they astronomically. Make it so, uh, yeah. Um, but so uh, during London Fog Friday, Emma was like. I work at Starbucks. You tell me what you need. You get it. And I was like, oh, Emma, ooh la la. And so uh got me everything to make a Starbucks El Foggy at home and these color changing cups. And she still texts me regularly to give me updates on like what the new flavors are that are coming out, but haven't been released yet. Okay. You got to, why don't you text me that? I'm your S Bucks buddy. I will. The It was mainly t- the last update I think was to let me know that the s'mores frappuccino was not coming back. And I'm glad she, <laughs> Well, it, it, it's it's every it's every summer, so it would have happened by now. They were discontinued. Oh my god! It. I know. I'm glad she let me down before I looked like a fool at every Starbucks trying to find it. So honestly, I didn't. I don't drink many frappuccinos, but that's the one I like. The s'mores one rocked my goddamn world. I it was the only one. Now I'm just never gonna have a frappuccino again. I mean, that was, that's the good one. I like that in Java chip, but you don't like coffee, so s'mores is the way to go. Well, Java chip, if you want it without the coffee flavor, you ask for double chocolate chip, and that's what you get. Okay. So it still exists, too. but there's there was nothing like that. The s'mores cream frappuccino. Oh, forget about it. It was like just drinking a cloud. That's too bad. <sighs> anyway, if you are. Um, Emma, no offense, but if, if there's someone out there who's higher up at Starbucks who's like the president, sorry, Emma. Emma, I know, I'm sure you have screamed for Is me, Emma but a it didn't listener, work. Or did you? Were you friends with Emma before the podcast? No, Emma's a listener. Oh, that's pretty badass. Just was just a big fan of uh, London Fog Friday. Just wow. Always gave me the hookup, but so. um I'm going to need Emma to find like the CEO of Starbucks and get s'mores back on the sure. Menu. Yeah, find the CEO. I'm sure Emma. <laughs> wow, Emma, like. It's like that TikTok sound of like, why don't you just call Taylor up? Why? <laughs> Especially now that four of your stores have unionized. You can finally. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm very proud of all the unionized Starbucks. And downtown Cincinnati is the first in the city to oh, unionize. Really? Yeah, I'm very proud of them. Fun. Um, so, yeah. Emma, come on. 
Emma, you were doing great for a while, but I'm going to need you to step it up for s'mores season. You Honestly, know? this is what it's like to be friends with M. Like the bar just keeps going higher and higher. And I've you just, just seen can't what win. It's my job to always let you know that you can do more than you realize. And if it benefits me, then let's really make it happen. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, it's all about <sighs> self-empowerment for M's sake. Um, I don't know if you know this. I am a Gemini. And what? I am a, a Gemini. Get out of town. And I really, I, by the way, will always hype people up whether or not it benefits me. But if it does, I, now that I've got a stake in it, I will really rock your world. Especially with this animation thing. I think once you, <laughs> once you figure out how to animate something and then I can find a way to me- weasel my way into the success, I just might try. So good luck. Honestly, it's kind of how the podcast started. We were like, let's... um figure out how to podcast and then that night at 3 a.m i was like let's record tomorrow and you were like fuck yeah let's go and <laughs> but we that's why did. i love us you really you really do let my chaotic energy control a situation but then it's like i think i'm controlling the situation like i say let's no, do I it do, but it's true and it's then you, you fucking same. nail it no but like I it's like a gemini twin it's bullshit. a tag team it's a real yeah. tag team because i think you have some really chaotic opinions and some really chaotic ideas but maybe don't know how to execute them, and then I'll do it. But you then it's vice versa. Oh, I'm like, beautiful. you need something on Microsoft Word, you fucking hold on tight. It's going like, to be a pages? great bumpy ride. Get out of here. <laughs> Who needs PowerPoint? Oh, I, I love can, our friendship, Christine. I can remove a, tra- a fucking photo. Uh, I can remove a background, make it transparent. I really do I really do love that you let my... Um, my irrationality take over Always. like you just you ride with it but then i also ride with yours yes you do and you support me in that and i feel like not everyone does so thank you i if you didn't call me with a reckless idea and we didn't try <laughs> our best to make it happen i'd be offended I i'd be I've... like what do you mean you don't want to build a roller coaster at midnight what do you what do you mean you think you can and won't try i don't know i would get say it. it's opposite day obviously i do want to do that <laughs> Oh, no, I will always uh, encourage your uh, your your rabble rousing, your tomfoolery. I deeply appreciate that. And uh, it goes both ways. I will always support you in your rabble rousing as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah That's yeah, why yeah. we uh, we belong. That's why. OK, well, you didn't ask for this. Uh, I take it back. I don't want any any more ideas out of you, you including don't want this it. story. You don't want it. It's bad. I'm doing the Girl Scout murders today. I'm I've had these. I've had these notes for months. <sighs> it. You know what? You're doing what you have to, and their story needs to be heard. That's that's the thing. And I've I've listened to a few YouTubers do it. I've listened. I've since we talked last aka like two weeks ago when we recorded the last episode i finally went and committed to like listening to other podcasts cover this other youtubers cover this and i really wanted to make sure i did it justice and covered it as like um respectfully as possible uh and as thoroughly as possible so i hope i do it justice uh but i you're right i think this story i think the reason i keep it on the back burner all the time is like, I know I need to tell the story at some point. And so I'm finally getting the personal strength to do it. That being said, there were many months 
probably years where I was not in a good headspace to cover this. So if you are currently not in a headspace to be able to listen to this story, then please do not put yourself through this. If you don't, you can always come back if you want to. But if you are someone who feels particularly sensitive about uh, violence against children, which I mean, I think a lot of us do, um, and you feel like you just can't cope with this today, please feel free to move on. Is there also a, an essay trigger warning for you? Uh, there is a brief one. It, it There's no... It, yes. Uh, okay. Yes. To an extent. Yes. There is a mention. Okay. Actually, yeah, I there just... are multiple mentions. Yeah, there is there's, there is definitely a warning. There's sexual assault. There's violence toward children. Um, and those are the main things. So, yeah, good call. And I know a lot of stories I covered do have sexual assault and violence toward children but this one for whatever reason um a lot of people myself included find particularly tough um it's a it's a special type of evil when children are involved it is it is and it's it's uh i think the context of it is also so shocking that it's and uh, like i know i've covered violence against children before but and and so i always hate to compare the stories that I cover to each other but there's something about this one that is so shocking because of the context of like a Girl Scout camp like it's just so it's also multiple multiple children multiple children it's really hard it's a tough it's tough to swallow so if you are somebody who's like nah not feeling it please by all means skip this episode also if you were here to laugh i i hope you found yeah. it earlier in this episode because i don't think we're making any uh side yeah. comments in this no. one so i mean it's a very fascinating story so like you know don't get me wrong it's it's a story that i think needs to be told um and i think it's a very um famous true crime story for a reason uh, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll see the many reasons why it's very layered um so if you are willing to listen like don't worry it's going to be you know an interesting episode but don't feel like you have to stick around um if you're sure. not comfortable okay so today's episode is about the oklahoma girl scout murders uh girl scouts be prepared yeah that's as far that's that's pretty much the only imagery I have because I don't know any other details other than Girl Scouts are involved in probably, you know, not all of them are making it out at the end of the story. So that's that's do all you, I know. Just before we get into the really deep, dark stuff, do you have any you don't have any experience with Girl Scouts? I mean, obviously, I know that, like, this is not something you would want to. In- I always wanted to be in the Boy Scouts. Right. Um. Right. I don't know. No, I've always, um, I've never, I've never been in it. I've, but I've always wanted to be one of those people who went to like, um, as an adult, I would love to go to like a survival camp. Oh God. Oh God. Em, you, you literally are outspoken about hating hiking and you want to go to a survival camp. I know how yeah. little sense that makes. You literally told me oh, once I you know. would not survive without air conditioning for more than six hours. Because I've never been to survival camp, probably. Um, no, like I, I know how backwards it is, but I think you it, couldn't even be under my roof without central air. Without one hundred percent, one hundred percent, lying on the floor and complaining loudly, loudly. I, um, I think it's my honestly, you know, it would give me the exact same effect though. Um, I really, I think it's just because I love a good fun fact, and I would like to be 
useful in a crisis and that's the only reason but i wouldn't want to experience it to have to learn it which is so let's learn it in like an indoor controlled setting like 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 the worst case scenario books i fucking love those i love those books so honestly if someone could just get me like the big compilation version of that like the comprehensive guide that's probably all i need and then the survival read it on the toilet and then read it in the woods if i need to survive i'll just bring my book with me you can just intubate someone with a pen and it'll be great. Oh, see, those are th- truly like I, if someone was choking in front of me, they would die. Like I, that would be a horrible thing. Well, okay. To... I mean, learning the Heimlich is like not. I, I would like to go to useful survival camp. Like it's like, um, I don't know what the right word is, but more like practical survival camp. Like I would love to do like a CPR class, a Heimlich class. A, I mean, uh, you can very much do crash. that, my friend. Like I took a CPR class because I had a baby and I was like, I want to know how to do infant CPR. I know I can. I can also go to survival camp. I just refuse to. Yeah, but I, survival camp seems like a big step up. Like you can take a Red Cross thing in like a couple hours and you're done. I feel like. And honestly, I recommend it because it is nice to know like, hey, in worst case scenario that you hope never happens. I, I, I really would like to do that. I, I really just want to know how to get myself out of any sticky situation, including the extreme ones. But then again, if I took like one class and then never attained it in 10 years from now, like I wouldn't know how to do it anyway. So I don't know. It's like one of those fun thoughts where I'm like, wow, maybe if I were a, a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout, that would have uh, that would have stayed with me. And then well, I the, feel a little regret. But other this, than that. Honestly, this might comfort you because I was briefly a Girl Scout or I guess it was more like a brownie. Oh, you were a um, brownie. Yeah. And then I kind of got, I wouldn't say kicked out, but I wasn't really welcome. Did you show them the picture of Chris Angel? <laughs> They said, this is a class on Photoshop. And I said, oh, <laughs> you went, step aside. Let me, I'll let me teach. Let I me teach, teach everyone. <laughs> no, I, I went to kind of a school that wasn't the most welcoming of people with differences. And I still, you know, had a German accent. And like, I'm aware that that as a white child with a German accent, a, a Western European accent, that doesn't make me that, you know, different from a lot of other people who have to face like bullying and stuff in elementary school but there was something about my mom was divorced and she was the only uh, parent in the girl scout group that was divorced and she got a lot of flack and people were Mm. very weird and like like to refer to her as the nanny oh yeah there there was a lot of weirdness um in my girl scout troop and my friend selena and i like we sold cookies one summer but um, we lived in uh, an area that was where the 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 riots took place, the Cincinnati mm. riots back in the '90s, um, and there was like the curfew and everything. And so we would just kind of, our parents would just kind of let us wander around the neighborhood and ring different apartments doorbells and try to sell cookies. And we definitely faced some things in that uh, experience that maybe. Maybe our parents should let us just wander around. But, Fair you enough. know, whatever. Okay. Point being, I did Girl Scouts briefly. It was not a great experience. Um, and I did not feel welcomed in it. And I'm not saying that's the fault of the Girl Scouts. I think that was more the fault of my school. Uh, well, also, there was something 
there's something polarizing that, that just happened in the in the Boy Scouts or something. Either they were very pro LGBT or very not, and I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> well, I certainly don't want to make the call because I have no idea. No, I'm gonna Google it because I remember there being like something about like a like a trans boy wanting to join the Scouts oh, or something. Oh boy, see that's a thing. And we said a lot of the Pledge of Allegiance, and even at age eight, I felt weird about all that. Um. LGBT advocates applaud Boy Scouts. This is as of 2017. I don't know what the new thing is. The ban on... I, I don't know what it is. But they have they have either... They have one of two opinions and I don't know which one it is. So I don't know if I'm in favor or not of them What a fun roulette but... game for us. Yeah. 50-50. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they... Uh, I did always want to at least like... I wanted to know the cool skills. And I think I, I liked the idea of like being in like... A club where like okay but you've always been one of those people who's really into being in like a group like a fraternity or like a i love that stuff i always felt like i just did not fit into that and i don't know why but like anytime i tried to join like a club or like a group (laughs) i felt like the odd one out um and again that's probably a me thing i don't know but i i just never quite fit into um the Girl Scouts and I think and I did go on a camping trip and it was very similar to the one I'm about to tell you um and I think maybe oh gosh um I haven't uh cried in what? many months and I'm I'm getting like already uh why what happened because I'm just thinking like I think I'm finally realizing like the reason that the story is so hard for me to oh. tell is because one of the girls just was felt so she just had such a hard time like integrating into the group and like oh her mom was just wanted her to be you know social I mean I'll tell you the story obviously but like I think that might be why it was just so hard for me to to swallow the story anyway this is not about me I'm sorry (sighs) I have some fun facts before we tell the story though good I really appreciate you asking and like making some like fun banter before we get into the worst of it But yeah, then you cried I, at the end, so like that doesn't work. Fuck, I tried. <laughs> and I think part of it too is like um everybody in the US, I, I don't want to say everybody, but I feel I feel like a lot of people who grew up in the US have some association with either boy or girl scouts because they at least had a friend who was in it or someone yeah yeah, or knew of it or have an opinion of it. And so I feel like it's a very it hits home for a lot of people. Yeah. Um so I have some fun facts about these cookies. Oh, oh. See, when you asked if I was involved at all in the Scouts, I forgot to mention I'm very involved as an adult. I think we all knew that answer, though. Like, nobody had a question about that answer for you. Okay, before or after these fun facts, I would like to know your top three cookies. Okay. So let's hear these fun facts. Caramel Delights, a.k.a. Samoas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the peanut butter ones. A peanut are they the patty peanut butter patties? I think I they're called peanut butter Ta- patties. Tagalongs. Are they tagalongs? Yeah, I think tagalongs. tagalongs. And thin mints. Those are my three too. But I think no. I have them in it. Oh. Oh, I meant no. Wow. Oh, oh, I thought you meant <laughs> oh. I was just like you had a, a new opinion. But I um, think uh peanut butter's third for me, and maybe thin mints are first. See, I think that you and I have the exact. It's Thin Mint Samoa. Yes, tagalongs. That's the order. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to look up the newest because they have some new flavors recently. The lemon I'm... ones are pretty good, and I don't say that just because of lemon, oh. but I do like I do like the lemon cookies too. I was gonna say that can't be right. I don't think I like them. I they're good. What was the one I just had? Oh, I like the shortbread with the chocolate on them. Ugh. Um, there you have a you know what? Oh, this was the one that was disappointing because I obviously wanted to really like the the they have a s'mores one now which like how on earth did it take until like 2020 Weird. to have a s'mores For girl a scout cookie yeah that, yeah yeah but also it's kind of stinky it's i never tried good. it it's not that good my brother and i um, did a beach to sandy episode on girl scout cookie reviews <gasps> that you know, was an episode <laughs> the way that y'all can just pull it out any goddamn topic Anything. And- Anyway, because people I, will complain about everything on the internet. There is one that I'd like to try called the Adventurefuls, which What's is brown, brownie and caramel. Okay. I'm not a huge caramel, but that sounds good. Um, but no, we have the same top three. Nice to know. Honestly, that's adorable. It is. Now I know what to get you when uh, the season hits. Yay! Uh, although we would, honestly, we just have to get like triple what we normally order because you're going to get mad if I eat. No, by the way, a no pun intended, but they delivered during COVID. They literally started oh, a delivery service yeah. during COVID. Yeah. So yeah, smart. They, did. they have an app. It's a whole thing. Oh, my God. I, I remember thinking like, oh, man, I have to go leave my house for tr- Girl Scout cookies. And then during <laughs> COVID, no. they went, we beg to differ. We're the fucking Girl Scouts. We are women in STEM, and we are going to deliver this technologically to you. Honestly, you drinking out of a color-changing cup while you say that is the most powerful thing i've ever seen i am a woman in stem said every girl <laughs> scout in 2020 says the boy scout m schultz that's me well if there was a brownie version of a boy scout i'd like what's that a cookie i'd like that honestly a blondie Ooh, i don't know a s- well we'll shop it we'll shop it. okay 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 so let's get cor- into the the, the fun facts. Now. Okay, the fun facts, yes. According to a website called Best Life Online, the Girl Scouts have been selling cookies for over 100 years, with the first cookie sale held in 1917 in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Ooh. Which Do you happen al- to... Oh, go ahead. You, you I might was just going to say, it makes it also sad because the story takes place in Oklahoma. So it's like, oh, oh clearly shit. this I- is like a, a home base for the Girl Never Scouts. Never mind. I was yeah. going to say, do you know if any of the cookies they sell today are originals from the 1917 like lineup? That's an excellent question. Uh, I actually don't know. I wonder. Maybe those tree foils, they seem like an old person cookie. Those seem like the grandma cookies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the Girl Scouts selling nearly 200 million boxes of cookies each season. They to me alone. To M. Schultz. Oh, yeah, sorry. Did I not clarify? That's only right. to Burbank, California. Yeah. <laughs> This makes them approximately $800 million, making it the largest girl-run business on the planet. Honestly, girl boss. Fucking get it, girls. I love that. Power team. Power team. This year, the LA Times released an elaborate graph uh, of how they would rank the cookies, with the x-axis being worst taste to better taste, and the y-axis being worst frozen to better frozen. Oh, well, you know, Thin Mints was at the top of that Thin one. Thin Mints had to be number one, right? I think so. Uh, so here are the three top cookies um, based on sales. Do you want to take a quick gander? I know I know, Thin Mint has to be one, right? Maybe you should just say exactly what you said earlier. 
Is it our top three? Then Mint Samoa Tagalongs? Correct. Yep. <laughs> okay, so we're we're basic bitches. So Caramel Delights is what I always call them. Yep, we're basic bitches. We go to Starbs and we eat our three top favorite Girl Scout cookies. You know what? Just like they, else. they found a recipe. They found a formula that worked. And why on earth would you mess with it when it's Honestly, not Honestly, good point. Uh, I wonder how much... still keep those fucking trefoils around. I, I wonder how much money collectively all of the other cookies make and if it's just worth it to never sell them again like it's good that's a just, good point if they just like cancel those yeah just like here are our three because the others combined make five bucks but a you year. know there's got to be like some people who order like 40 boxes of like butterscotch delight or whatever the fuck you know it's a, so actually i have a really i guess i was anti-girl scout at one point because i remember in like seventh grade there was clearly a Girl Scout at our school who she would bring her like duffel bag of Girl Scout cookies um, to school with her so she could then sell them at like the grocery store after school or something. Oh, right. And she would leave. She would literally just leave her duffel bag of cookies in the public bathroom. Ah! <laughs> and I got to be honest, I definitely ate like four. I would go to the bathroom. Wait, like, wait, wait. What? <laughs> you just took them? I, um. I was 12 and um mean i don't know i don't i wasn't why were you anti-girl scout if you were just taking them out of the bathroom that seems like you'd be pro girl scout well i was i was anti-girl scout that i was helping a girl scout not make her money back oh i see um because i would ask to go to the bathroom like five times every class (laughs) i just i would just sneak one to be fair i never opened a box but there was clearly someone else had either had beat me to it (laughs) and someone else had seen a like I'm not kidding. It was like 30 boxes of Thin Mints. And one of them I was already that open. Y'all just had this unspoken agreement. Like, I'll open it if someone else helps me eat these. <laughs> I, someone else. I was, I was, I had a limit to my nastiness. And I was like, I'm not going to open a box. Like, that's mean. Like, these were closed. They're not my box to that's open. so but mean I definitely, to <laughs> I definitely thought the open box was mine to eat. And so I was like, I'm just going to have two. And then I would come back 10 minutes later and just have two and come back there and just have two. I would and have then I a probably... Heart- I probably ate the whole box by the time. I would have a hard time saying no if they were already open. It's not like she can sell those, right? Right. That's what I thought. No, so anyway. I, I'm kind of, it's weird how I've kind of turned the ties and now I'm on your side. I'm just saying it was already open. Other pe- It was funny because there was clearly other people who had the same mindset as me because there'd be times where I would leave my class to go to the bathroom and like steal one of them and a whole sleeve was missing. <laughs> so like some, and not because of me, someone else was clearly also stealing the cookies. So um, that's my closest experience to being in the Girl Scouts was going through a Girl Scouts bag and <sighs> robbing her. I'll so. Be- <laughs> i'll be honest i'll be honest um i feel like i wasn't in the wrong i know yeah i know i feel like i would have been the other person like i feel like somewhere in the united states while you were doing that i was pulling some similar bullshit uh (laughs) and i don't think that i have any room to judge you I, you know, and if you did judge me, honestly, it was over half my life ago. I cannot speak for who that <laughs> person was. Matter. I cannot speak for them. But also, I don't blame them. Either. If my kid, if I got a call from the principal and found out that that's what my kid was doing, I can't act like I'd punish them. I'd be like, don't do that. 
But also, I don't want to find out what you're doing. But also, like, like bring me some. If you're going like, to fucking go to the bathroom and take cookies, bring me bring a like, sleeve home. Have you ever heard of the word accomplice? Because <laughs> I would like to be that. Have you ever heard of the word blackmail? Because if you don't bring me a sleeve, I might call the principal. And I might say, you know what? That's exactly right. My kids stole all of them. But that doesn't have to be the phone call I make if some cookies show up for me, you know? Ding, ding, know. ding. Okay. You and I, I are going to be, you and I are going to raise hellions. I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> You're already doing it. She's going to uh, lead the pack. I know. I don't even know what to do about it. It's too late. If you uh, ever find her on Microsoft Paint, drawing a picture <laughs> of her with Chris Angel, you're going to have to have a weird talk with her and be like, we are too similar. Please stop. Oh, God, I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, while we were having this conversation, I Googled original Girl Scout cookies. Um, of course, you were right. And the shortbread was the first cookie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the box does not look very appetizing. And I have a fun fact for you here. During World War II, the Girl Scouts sold calendars in addition to cookies because of shortages of flour, sugar, and butter. Aww. In 1943, there were 48 cookies per box. By 1943, Girl Scouts also collected fat in cans to aid the war effort and sold war bonds at no profit. Oh, wow. Look at them. They are and just activists. They are. And then in the 1950s, three more cookie recipes were added. So the first thing that they sold was like just a biscuit. Okay. Mm-hmm. A biscuit. Mm-hmm. Meh. A simple sugar cookie recipe. Then they added shortbreads, savannas, which are... Okay. So that's the one I like. Sorry. I didn't mean the... um I didn't. Yeah, I'm. I'm deviating from tagalongs. I like the savannas, which are the peanut butter sandwich cookies. Oh, I don't think I ever had those. I really like those. Um, or they're also called dosi dos. Oh, okay. I I only knew them as dosi dos. I think dosi dos is what we called them too. And they added thin mints. So thin mints were one of the earliest ones, and they mm. added Samoas in the seventies. Okay. Anyway, let me get back to my notes. Back to hey, that was a great episode. Can we just stop here? I know. I'm like bullet number four. Can't we just? I know. Ooh. Okay. So onto the Girl Scouts. So Girl Scouts themselves. This is interesting. Alumni have included me. Sort of. I don't know if I count. That is interesting. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Stupid Gemini. (laughs) Let me finish. Me. Okay. Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Why don't you just call Taylor up, you know? (laughs) Mariah Carey, Hillary Clinton, Condoleezza Rice, Katie Couric, Robin Roberts, Dakota Fanning, Gwyneth Paltrow, Venus and Serena Williams, and 69% of female senators. Whoa. Right? Wow, stardom young. That's the political campaign right there. Damn. Put them in the Girl Scouts. They'll be, might just maybe be president. Damn, damn, damn. Too bad none of those people have been presidents because they're all women. Yep. Well, hey, you know what? You said it, not me. But I'll also say it because they weren't women. Because they weren't men. I'm just saying. I mean, odds are none of them were going to be president. Hmm. Okay. So anyway, let's fucking get into the horrible, sad shit. It was the summer of 1977 and Girl Scouts across the United States were ready for camp. They'd spent the year selling their Girl Scout cookies, collecting badges, but camp was the main event of the year. 
So this story takes us to a place called Locust Grove, Oklahoma, which was the base of Camp Scott, which was originally called Camp Modelco. Mm. And this Girl Scout camp originally opened on August 11th, 1928. It was based 50 miles from Tulsa's Girl Scout headquarters, and it was amongst 410 acres of wooded area. Wow. It was a big, beautiful part of the Oklahoma wilderness. And as camp counselor Michelle Hoffman would describe, quote, my first year at Camp Scott, I remember going, whoa, because it is so dark, dark, dark in those woods at night. Hmm. So we are out in the middle of fucking nowhere as part of the story. So this year, the camp was looking to house 140 campers and 30 staff. On entering the camp, you followed what was called the Cookie Trail, which led you to 11 various camping units, which all had Native American-themed names or names based on Native American tribes. Each unit had seven tents for three to four campers to stay in, along with one counselor's tent. And the tents, I just want to describe, they're sort of like uh, a big tent on a wooden platform where there are cots. Mm, okay. Inside, I've, I've been in those. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like when like I a, did, almost like a cabin tent. Situation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like there's enough room for like a bed in it. Yeah, and your stuff. Um, and when I did my one Girl Scouts camping trip, uh, we stayed in these exact tents. Is it like a parent trap situation? And their 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 camp spaces? Do you remember that? Yeah, in they like were basically in, in like a little cabin with like a few cots. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is just like Parent Trap, my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is basically just like the Parent Trap setup where there are like four girls in one tent slash it's it's a tent, but it's like a big, Mm -hmm. yeah, like a big tent with cots. Yeah. 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 So we are specifically in camp. I was going to say Kiowa, but I watched a docuseries where they called it Kiowa. So I'm. I'm going to pronounce it Kiowa, Uh, Camp Kiowa, which was home to 27 Girl Scouts in 1977. And the way that Camp Kiowa was set out is that there were a total of eight tents, including one of the counselors, and they were shaped in a sort of crescent moon formation. Uh, There was also a latrine as well as a campfire pit nearby. And according uh, to the website Abandoned EDOC, Camp Scott boasted an exciting range of activities, including, quote, swimming, CPR training, and you might want to step up and join. (laughs) Archery, pathfinding, bridge building, bird study, insect life, and leadership skills. Those all sound lovely. Honestly, that is not what I had in Girl Scouts, but I feel like this I would have fucking loved. Like That that feels like what my summer camp was like. Yes, like real skills. Yeah. I just, it's. I love archery. That was always my favorite in, in summer camp. Oh, I never went to summer camp. <laughs> oh, I mean, in, in brownies where they let you shoot arrows. I don't know. <laughs> ah! Well, I remember we talked a lot. Someone quoted me on Twitter. They were like, because you were like, oh, I rode horses. And then I said, I had a, I had a hose. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said something. You were talking about camp and you're like, oh, I had to ride horses in the summer. And I was like, I had a garden hose. <laughs> that was. I, I don't remember the conversation, but it sounds right. And I did have to ride horses and it was not fun. Um, 
And but I, I did, like, I, did oh, love I had a garden archery. hose and you were like, well, that sounds fun. And I was like, honestly, it fucking was. It was, <laughs> I guarantee it was so much more fun than having to learn how to clean horses' hooves and stuff. Yeah, I'm not into that. Getting uh, kicked into a, stall, a stable. <laughs> I was like, like a movie, I got like, like <laughs> rib breaking kicks into a wall because I didn't know what I was doing. I feel like we are the parent trap kids where it's like <laughs> we just trade lives and we're like what the fuck is going on you could happily take my spot there you're like you it. play with this hose all day and i'm like that's i literally drink from it I as play an with only it. child i've played with worse things for longer so like i'm okay <laughs> like, i'm fine with it i could make a i could make a hose work <laughs> oh boy okay so those were the fun classes and courses they had to take um, super fucking cool. I mean, just bird study, bridge building, pathfinding. Like, I, if this is what Girl Scouts is, it's survival camp. That's yeah, what I consider survival I my, camp. I never thought I would ever put my child into Girl Scouts because of the shitty experience I had. But if this is what it is, like, that's fucking great. I would love for my kid to learn these skills. Oh yeah. <sighs> anyway, so this is what the camp was made of. Uh, the cost for the full 10-day stay at the time was $9. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. Right. And nowadays, I think that's closer to like $70 or $80. But still, for 10 days of this full camp, sleepaway camp, that's, yeah, that's amazing. crazy affordable. So it was two weeks, uh, and this was going to be an awesome time. They've been doing this for years. Girl Scouts have been around for decades, but unfortunately, Camp of Summer 1977 would come to an abrupt end when, on the first official morning after the first night of camp, Monday, June 13th, one of the camp counselors, 18-year-old Carla Wilhite, headed to the staff house showers at 6 a.m., and on her way, as she passed the edge of camp on the border of the woods... She spotted three sleeping bags lying beneath a tree. Mm. Obviously, she spotted these and thought they're out of place. I should put them back. Uh, and as she got closer, she spotted a young girl lying on top of one of the sleeping bags. And unfortunately, the girl was very obviously dead. Oh. The girl that Carla spotted was 10-year-old Doris Denise Milner, known as Denise, she was motionless. She had her hands tied behind her back and she could not be woken up. Wow. Obviously terrified and alarmed, the counselor ran to collect the other counselors and like, listen to this, 18-year-old Susan and 20-year-old Dee. They're basically kids themselves. Yes. And I've heard um, some other people covering the story talk about like oh they didn't you know do a good job and i'm like they're children in the 70s they have no fucking clue yeah a 20 no. year old is not prepared they're prepared to macrame they're not prepared to know what to do with a dead body you know i wouldn't know what to do. i just hit 30 i wouldn't know what to do exactly. if i saw a dead body exactly call the police i wouldn't know what to do i, so I know nothing about protocol yeah, it, and so I have a hard time, like, giving them any sort of flack because 
they're basically kids themselves. And mm-hmm. so 18-year-old Susan and 20-year-old Dee, they do a head count um, and they get the camp director and camp nurse who were a short drive away. So tent number eight was Denise's tent and she was the one who was found dead on her sleeping bag. This was the first tent that Counselor D checked out. And uh, just to clarify this, because this does get a little confusing when you look it up on Reddit or any of the um, kind of graphics where people draw out the diagram. Mm -hmm. The camp uh, called this tent, Denise's tent, tent number seven. But the police called it tent number eight because they were including the counselor's tent Mm. as tent number one. Oh, okay. So they were just counting them differently. Okay. But for the purposes of this episode, we're going to go by police records because that's just how everything was notated and called Denise's tent, tent number eight. Okay. So tent number eight was the closest to the bathrooms and the kitchen, but it was also the furthest from the camp counselor tent. Okay. Basically was on the other side of this crescent moon situation. It was 86 yards or 79 meters away from the counselors. And because of the layout of the camp, the counselors had an obstructed view of tent number eight. So they were basically the most removed from Mm. any sort of like adult or uh, chaperone figure. Sure. They're on the kind of on their own doing whatever they want and kind of maybe getting away with it. The most distant tent. Mm -hmm. Um, So entering tent number eight, Counselor D was immediately confronted by the fact that the other two girls who were supposed to be in the tent with Denise were not. Their sleeping bags were not there either, and the tent itself was covered in blood. The camp director, Barbara Day, and the camp nurse arrived pretty quickly at the crime scene and pronounced Denise as dead. And it was camp director Barbara's husband, Richard, who first thought to check the other two sleeping bags that were laying underneath Denise's body. Oh, okay. What was, was there something in there? Sure enough, the two other girls from tent number eight, eight-year-old Lori Farmer and nine-year-old Michelle Gouzet, were also found dead in their sleeping bags underneath. So they were all stacked. Yep. Oof. Denise's body. Okay. <sighs> You're doing great. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm even putting you through this. No, it's I'm just I'm just bracing myself is all. Yeah. So counselor Carla Wilhite said that Denise, Lori, and Michelle were three of the quietest kids at the camp. Aww. But they're I know. I think I think like Going off my weird reaction earlier and then like this exact reaction you just had is probably why this was so hard for me because I feel like it seems so pure and these are the ones I would have been like, oh, we're like the weird, like we're like the odd ones out or like the, Mm -hmm. you know, they were the quietest kids in the camp, but their tent was, quote, loud and lively before they had gone to sleep because they had all just connected with each other. Oh, oh, that's so, so, so pitiful. M, it gets so much worse. <laughs> okay. So, it's so hard. far there's... It's hard to believe. So far there's three dead bodies we know of, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Lori, who was eight years old, uh, 
was the youngest Girl Scout in the whole camp. She was very, very thrilled about going to camp and about the prospect of meeting new friends. She had been born June 18, 1968 in Little Rock, Arkansas, and her family had moved relatively recently from Little Rock to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And according to the podcast Criminal Discourse, Lori, who was the eldest daughter of Charles and Sherry Farmer, had four younger siblings and was known to be a bright, young, mature girl who excelled in school and even skipped second grade. She had just finished her fourth grade year at Jenks Elementary School. She was a little unsure about attending Girl Scout camp that year, so it was between this and a camp sponsored by the YMCA. But in the end, Lori's mom, Sherry, this is tough, made the decision for her. Wow, the guilt. And Sherry said she would later regret this decision for the rest of her life. I can't even imagine. And I'll be honest, that's kind of the running theme of this entire story, which is also what makes it so hard. Mm. So Michelle Heather Gouzet, born July 22nd, 1967 in Miami, Oklahoma, had already been to Camp Scott the year before and was known to be athletic, active, and was enthralled by outdoor pursuits, according to a Medium article by Michael East. So while Lori and Denise were both from Tulsa, Michelle hailed from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And this is somewhat relevant because in, I think it was May of this year, um, so like last month as we record this, a docuseries came out on Hulu um, called Keeper of the Ashes. And oh. it's a four-part series about the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, but it's featuring Kristen Chenoweth. What? Because she's from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. So wild. And she was supposed to go on this trip. Oh, I see. I yeah. see, I see. I connect now. And so the whole show is, she kind of is like the entry point. Like the show's not, I, I thought it was pretty good. It doesn't revolve around her the whole time, but it it She's it just uses, the narrator of like. Yeah, it almost like uses her exactly as like an entry point um, in that she went to school with Michelle Gouzet in Broken Arrow and said like you know I didn't know her well but like I passed her in the halls and this is the and she was supposed to go on this trip but she was sick and her mom didn't let her go and so it is kind of like the entry point into this um docuseries and I will say uh a lot of what I learned from this series is going to be covered in the part two episode but uh the docuseries itself was really, really beneficial in answering a lot of questions that I had about, like, we haven't even gotten there yet, but there are a lot of racial issues and racial mm. undertones that happen um, in the trial. And uh, there's just a lot of layers that get a little clarity um, in this docuseries. So sure, we'll get wow. there. But okay, well, cheers to Kristen Chenoweth's documentary. I know. And I feel like <laughs> I was uh, almost... Uh, glad that i waited this long to cover the story because this just came out last month so i was able to like wow add okay. some a little bit of uh i don't know insight so according to uh the mile higher podcast which i also listened to uh their coverage of this michelle liked to play soccer she enjoyed reading and loved to spend her time with her older brother mike she also deeply cared about her house plants oh and she told her mom before leaving that she had to promise to take care of them, especially her favorite, the African violets. Ugh. 
I mean, heartbreaking. As for Denise Milner, she was born February 5th, 1967, and lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma with her parents, Betty and Walter, and younger sister, Kathleen. So Denise was said to be the shyest of the girls in tent number eight, and she was notably one of the only black girls at Camp Scott as well that year. And they interview Betty pretty extensively in the uh, Keeper of the Ashes uh, docuseries, and so it's, it's... Pretty cool to hear her take. But it's also interesting because the camp counselor, Michelle, who I'm going to talk about, uh, is also interviewed firsthand and talks about finding the, the bodies, bodies and and her relationship with Denise. And it just adds a lot of uh, context to the whole story. Extra heaviness to yeah, an already it makes heavy it extra situation. Bad, okay, yeah. it makes it extra hard to watch. It makes you uh, cringe and cry even more. It makes it more emotional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Denise's family was from Tulsa, and her father was one of the police officers there. She was a straight A student, and she had recently been accepted to Carver Middle School, which was a prestigious school for exceptional students. And she had spent the year in the run-up to camp selling enough Girl Scout cookies to afford her trip to camp. So sad. And with camp now approaching, Denise started to get really, really nervous about going. And she was apparently very excited, but she was really scared about being without her mom and sister for two weeks. And this was only heightened when the girls that she actually knew who were going to camp pulled out of the trip. And she basically told her mother, like, I don't want to go anymore. My friends aren't going. I'm scared. I don't want to go. However, her mother, Betty, pushed her to go. She wanted to develop her independence. And she said, I mean, I'll read you the quote. She said, all you have to do is call and we'll come and get you. Oh, my God. Wow. So this is like, it's not even like this horrible thing happened, but I just feel like a whole camp of mothers and it's horrible the guilt yeah yeah already you've told two different stories of moms being like no no no, this will be good for you and of Mm. course it would you know like you even nowadays yeah they didn't do anything wrong no exactly it's like it's just an added an added guilt later of i had i not forced them or i'm sure that's what their brain is telling them had i not made them do it then you know (sighs) Like, I'm responsible for this. It's, yeah, there uh, must be a lot of, yeah, the spiraling. there is a lot of guilt. Yeah. The spiraling. So her mother, Betty, pushed her to go. She wanted her to develop her independence, and eventually Denise was convinced. Uh, Denise was exhibiting signs of being incredibly homesick on the bus, leaving Girl Scout headquarters to Camp Scott, And so 15-year-old camp counselor Michelle Hoffman, who is the one I mentioned who was actually interviewed uh, Mm -hmm. on this uh, docuseries, she noticed how nervous Denise was, and she stayed with her, provided her comfort, told her, like, this is going to be great. We're going to have the best time. I will help you if you want to call your family at any point. She even brought Denise the good news that she would be sleeping in tent number eight because it was closest to the bathroom. So it was like the luckiest tent to be in. Just, I mean, mean, it's just getting worse. I don't know what you want me to do. It just gets worse and fucking worse. So, and this is where it gets a little spooky. 
Chillingly, when Denise had left for camp, her mom, Betty, had a weird conversation with her other daughter, Kathleen. On the day Denise left, five-year-old Kathleen turned to her mom, Betty, and asked, What happens when people die? Oh, forget it. As Betty was responding, mid-conversation, Kathleen said to her mom, Mama, tomorrow everyone is going to die. <gasps> and the following day, her older sister and the two other girls were brutally murdered. Oh my God. And they still can't explain what the hell that was all about. Whoa, big old chills. Right? Mm. Also, imagine the guilt of that girl growing up and realizing she was right. She was just, like, predicting something. Yeah. On the day before the bodies were found, which was the first day of camp, uh, on Sunday, June 12th, all 130 campers arrived at their respective camps between 3.30 and 4 p.m. and were shown to their tents. This is when Denise, Michelle, and Lori all met each other for the first time, and they seemed to really get along. The afternoon consisted of a pretty admin-heavy itinerary. There was a storm moving in, and so they moved everything into the dining hall, and this is where they spoke about camp rules, their schedules for the week. Um, they even had sing-alongs. It was all indoors as they you know, got ready for the evening, and eventually everybody returned to their tents for bed. The tent number eight group was still wide awake and seemingly quite bored, and so they all wrote letters home to their parents. Mm -hmm. Of course I have those letters. Okay. And I'm going to read them to you. Okay. Let me readjust and get ready. So this is the letter that Michelle wrote to her Aunt Karen. Dear Aunt Karen, how are you? I am fine. I am writing from camp. We can't go outside because it is storming. Me and my tentmates are in the last tent in our unit. My tentmates are Denise Milner and Lori Farmer. My room is in shades of purple. Love, Michelle. Aww. Here's the next one. Lori wrote, Dear Mom and Dad and Misty and Joe and Chad and Kathy, We're just getting ready to go to bed. It's 745. We're at the beginning of a storm and having a lot of fun. I've met two new friends, Michelle Gouzet and Denise Milner. I'm sharing a tent with them. It started raining on the way back from dinner. We're sleeping on cots. I couldn't wait to write. We are all writing letters now because there's hardly anything else to do. With love, Lori. And this is Denise's letter, and this is where I had kind of a breakdown. It's very hard. Just going to read it. Denise wrote, Dear Mom, I don't like camp. It's awful. The first day it rained. I have three new friends named Linda, Lori, Michelle. Michelle and Lori are my roommates. Mom, I don't want to stay at camp for two weeks. I want to come home and see Kathy and everybody. Your loving child, Denise Milner. That's rough. That's really fucking brutal. And so... This is basically the last piece of communication that her mother has from her. It's her already saying, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so Lori's letter was useful in particular in placing what time the girls were heading to bed because she said it's 745. We're getting ready for bed. Um, so after writing their letters, the three girls went to sleep and the rain continued. The storm continued. 
And at 10 p.m., Camp Counselor D. Elder did a final check on each tent. At 11.30, Carla Wilhite went to quiet one of the tents, not number eight, a different tent, who were still up making a lot of noise. Carla also got up at midnight because the girls in tent number two were all going to the bathroom together and being really noisy, and they were brought back to their tent and told to be quiet. Roughly an hour later, at 1.30 a.m., the girls from tent number four were talked to by Carla for not settling down and for being too rowdy. And Carla doesn't remember much happening from tent eight at this point, but she did clock a strange sound coming from behind the tents, Mm. which she described as being a low guttural sound, but she was not sure whether it was animal or human. Ew. Yeah. Again, I know the theme today is guilt, but imagine thinking like, oh, if only I checked, you know? Yeah. So Carla shown her flashlight in the direction of the noise and the noise oh, okay. stopped. And um, I'm I'm realizing I said Michelle was, uh, for some reason I said Michelle was interviewed in the series. I think I met Carla. I think I got oh, them. Okay. I think I got their names mixed up because Carla was saying, Every, she checked like multiple times and she would shine her flashlight over and it would stop. And so she couldn't pinpoint it. And then as she sure. walked back to her own tent, it would start up again. Hmm. And so she was sort of like trying to pinpoint where the noise was coming from. It was storming. She couldn't figure out where this was coming from. Um, and so eventually she returned to her tent to sleep. And she did say in the series, like, there is a lot of guilt. Like, what if I had walked over and really checked and and looked more extensively, you know. And so she does carry a lot of guilt um, for that. But she continued to hear the noise intermittently. So around 3 a.m., two other girls uh, reported being woken up by noises. One girl claims that around this time uh, she heard the sound of a girl screaming, uh, which sounded like it was coming from tent number eight. And later another girl uh, reported that she thought she heard someone screaming, Mama oh god yeah wow another girl scout who had camped with Lori before thought she recognized Lori's screaming um and she kind of wasn't phased at the time because she apparently Lori was known to wake up in the middle of the night having nightmares so like the mama was probably a normal sound of her like so the mom, mama was a, a different was a different thing, but the um the girl so there was another girl who heard what she thought was uh Lori and she recognized Lori screaming and she later oh, she, reported she thought the voice came from one of her nightmares. No, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I'm interrupting you and you can literally just explain it. No, 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 no. I'll just say the bullet again. So um Another girl who had camped with Lori before thought she heard Lori screaming um, at mm -hmm. one point during the night, and she wasn't too phased by this at the time uh, because she had camped with Lori before, and she knew that Lori was prone to waking up um, in the middle of the night due to her nightmares. So when she heard Lori's voice screaming in the middle of the night, she just kind of went back to sleep and thought, oh, she's probably just having okay. another nightmare. Gotcha. So the last thing anyone would remember from that night was that the girls in tent number seven were woken in the night by a flashlight shining into the tent, mm. which they believed was held by a man. Yeah. 
As the light was shining in their faces, they were unable to recognize who it was. All they could say was that it was only a mere couple of seconds until the tent flap was closed again, and it sounded like the visitor moved on to tent number eight. Oh, I wonder why he moved on. Yeah, it's unclear. I wonder if it's because they woke up, maybe? Maybe. I was trying to think that's, they don't have a counselor in there. I was trying to think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Another camp counselor reported seeing multiple lights moving towards Camp Kiowa, but the lights soon disappeared, so the counselor went back to sleep. So it was 6 a.m. when Carla would discover the bodies of the girls while she was on her way to the showers, and by 7.30 a.m., this is a little sketch, the camp had called their lawyers before they ever called the police. Oh, that is a little sketch. It's not a good look. I guess I get it if, like, I were in charge of a camp and something happened. I'd be like, but we might as no. well get the... No. No. No, you want the police there. You want to figure out what happened, right? Like, you never call your lawyer b- to protect yourself before you... If two, right. ki- If three kids are dead, I feel like my first thought would never be, let me call my lawyer. I'm assuming it happened at the, like, at the same time. Like, two different people were on two different phones. Or is this like they called the lawyers and then waited and then called the police? The camp called the lawyers before then calling the police and oh, local before law calling the police, not like okay, yes, definitely before calling the police. Yes, okay. I, in um, my mind, I was like, "You call the police. You call the lawyers because obviously we're going to need that when the police no, get no, here." No, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, that is a little sketch. And so, local law enforcement. Uh, eventually turned up at the crime scene and by 8 a.m. Sheriff Glenn Pete Weaver uh, ended up calling the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, the OSBI. And at 10 a.m., all of the Girl Scouts at Camp Scott were evacuated from the premises. No one told the Girl Scouts why. And this is where it gets also really hard is because they didn't exactly tell the parents what was going on either. Uh, they just told them you have to pick up your children, but also some of your children are not coming home. Interesting. I wonder if they had a protocol that they were told to follow if something like this ever happened. I don't think so. And not Which to makes just be it... like that 21st century person, but like it was the seventies, nothing like this had ever happened. I don't think yeah. it was even a thought like and most of these people you said were in their 20s or was this like maybe there was someone higher up who was older the staff yeah they yeah. were like 18 to 20 i mean i don't really blame them then if they were like i guess we tell the parents to come get their kids yeah there was just no no way to know what to do i think there was just like no manual you know mm. um so they basically had these charter buses that facilitated all the girls back to headquarters in tulsa um And there was a girl named Angela who, okay, basically all the buses showed up. The parents were there to pick them up. And all the parents knew was that some of the kids had died. And so they don't know if their fucking kid is on this bus. Like they don't know. And so they did a roll call. Like they called the names. And the kids who got off the bus, their parents were like, thank God. Oh, my God. But some parents just waited for their kids' names to be called. Oh, mm. my gosh. Just the thought is horrifying. Every Apparently, part of this is a different No, I know. It's nightmare. like a nightmare on a nightmare on a nightmare. It just gets worse. 
And so there was a girl named Angela who was actually originally supposed to stay in tent number eight and she was moved last minute. And so her parents later revealed that all parents that day were told three of the girls at Camp Scott had been killed. Oh my God. And they didn't say who. And so as the bus pulled up to the Girl Scouts headquarters where the parents were waiting, the way they were finding out if their daughter was alive was whether their name was called. And so counselors were counselors were going through the list one by one and the Girl Scout would exit. But Angela had misplaced something on the bus <gasps> and didn't hear her name the first two times. Oh, my God. And so only on the third time she heard her name being called. And when she exited the bus, she saw her mother collapsed on the floor crying, oh thinking she was one of the parents who had lost a child. But three oh other parents there had lost children. They just hadn't found out yet. I mean, it's just horrific. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I don't I don't know. What to say. What? No, I know. There's nothing even, you know. And also, like, does that, like, I can't imagine waiting that long, but then also, like, nearing the end of the list and being like, why hasn't my kid's name yep. been called? Yep. Or, like, everyone goes home and it's just the three of you standing there now. Just waiting? Yeah. Just waiting. You just look at each other and be like, well, one, two, three. Like, Horrifying. Is, is it us? So... <sighs> Obviously, the families of Lori, Denise, and Michelle were there, and they ended up waiting it out. Their daughter's name wasn't called, and they were informed at the end of this whole fucking charade that their daughters were the ones who had been killed. Mm. So according to investigators from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, it was suspected that the killer had entered the tent from the back and it was discovered that Lori and Michelle were the first to be murdered. They were killed by blunt force trauma to the head. And unfortunately, their bodies also demonstrated signs of sexual assault. Uh, mm. Near the bodies, duct tape, nylon rope, and a red flashlight were found. Um, and according do, we, do we know what the blunt force trauma was from? Like what the object was? I don't it think does so doesn't matter but just wondering no that's a great question i don't think so i'm i'll look it up before part two um because that's a really good question i'm not sure mm. um so they found this flashlight uh and according to strange outdoors the gag on denise was pre-sewn which means like someone had planned this in advance and had sewn a gag specifically for this crime as aforementioned, the tent was covered in blood. There was evidence that whoever did this had attempted to clean the blood from the scene using bed sheets. Why? Ew. I don't yeah. know. That's a poor cleanup. Like, right? It seems you're just like gonna, we'll it's not going to do around. anything. Why yeah. are you doing that? Uh, they didn't do a good job because even a nine and a half, uh, a men's nine and a half footprint was found in blood on the tent floor. So they didn't even do like remotely a good job of cleaning up after themselves. They also found a pair of women's prescription eyeglasses, which had apparently been stolen from a different tent. <gasps> Ew! In the campsite. That's the, I don't know why that's even creepier, but it's like it's like it's like he went through Just and checked pervasive. every place. It's horrible. Mm. A lot more of that creepiness is coming for you. Oh God. After conducting interviews with the Camp Scott staff, it turned out that this was not. The first time that year that 
events at Camp Scott were forced to end early because get this in April of 1977, which is two months before Farmer Gousset and Milner were murdered, a training session had been held for the camp counselors at Camp Scott. And the weekend was forced to end early after 15-year-old camp counselor Michelle Hoffman returned to her cabin and discovered it had been broken into and was absolutely ransacked. Okay, so get this. I, I said 18 to 20 years old. This camp counselor was 15. Oh, my God. Like, like I can't even imagine the stress of something happening in front of me at 15, and now it's my job to yeah, fix it. Yeah, and you're responsible for these children. I mean, yikes. You are a child. You, you are, are 15. A child. What are you yeah. talking? Oh, my God. So she got back to her cabin, realized it had been completely ransacked. Her suitcases had been thrown outside and somebody had been through her and her roommate's bags. And so even, violating. So violating. And even more menacingly, a note was found in a box of donuts that she had brought for the rest of the team. And the note, someone had eaten the donuts and the note uh, had said... We are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. <gasps> what? Yeah. And this is no like way. two months before the murders. Wait, can you read it again? We are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. Wow. So full and in fully intentional. Well, also scribbled all over one of the notebooks was the word kill and supposedly the rest of the letter referenced something about Martians. And so they kind of thought uh, it was like what? a prank. And they also found an effigy of a man hanging by its neck from a tree nearby. <gasps> oh, my God. And some people said, which this seems like it can't be true, but I guess this is what some people said, that uh, a couple other counselors admitted that this was like a practical joke, that all of this was a, pr a prank. <gasps> What? But like that feels like they're covering for somebody. It feels like to me that they said, "Oh, that someone said that was a prank," but I don't know that there's any proof that anyone actually said. Oh my they god! They did it. Like it seems like a rumor. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to do. There's no that. facts about that. There's no hard cold facts about what the fuck this was about. But all of that happened. Two months before the murders, and it does not feel like this was a coincidence to me. No, it doesn't feel like a coincidence at like, all. Like, killed three with, girls? With a note like that, and in the same tent number, which then makes it even creepier, or at least near tent one, right? Because they're technically tent seven, but it was really tent eight. It was tent eight, yeah. So it was, like, the opposite side of the crescent moon. Maybe they got lost. or yeah, maybe that's they true. Maybe they thought one and eight were the same... Or maybe they went to tent one and like the like they didn't look like the I think victims the they wanted were to hurt in tent one. So maybe they were like, "Oh well, let's just do the opposite and do and not uh, have to deal with adults." Quote adults. Maybe I don't know. I'm I have no idea. For them to have a note like that shows that like a full intention. You could I at least go to court like claiming has it to be related like some people it say has to be oh it was just a prank and i'm like what the fuck kind of prank what? first of all like haha like like yeah, not ha -ha. funny but also um yeah that's too on the nose it's too it's not that's that's something that's definitely something well either way after this was discovered the camp really didn't know what to do and so they did nothing to investigate the claims and uh that is the end of part one.
Tell me in part two we get closure. We don't, do we? Okay, don't tell me, Christine. Your eyes hurt me. Um, your eye, your one eye that's open hurts. So <laughs> never mind. We get uh, more information. Okay, well, it's better, I guess. But wow. Okay. Two parter. Two parter. I like when you do two parters. You told that very nicely for um, a a real struggle of a story. Well, I I was gonna come prepared with kind of like a positive spin at the end but instead i forgot and i just opened our texts and eva said wait omg christine i got kicked out of brownies too and so i said why so maybe we'll get an answer of why eva got kicked out of brownies maybe we both got kicked out of brownies for similar reasons i don't know i can assure you if i was in brownies i would have been kicked out so you know, my friend Alyssa, who I mentioned earlier about Chelsea Handler, she was my buddy for uh, Girl Scouts, and we were camping, and we were in one of these tents with the cots, and uh, we had to go with a buddy to the bathroom, because he had to walk, obviously, in the dark to go to the bathroom through the okay. woods. sure. And I had to pee, and she fucking refused to get out of bed. Honestly, I don't blame Alyssa. Also- Yeah, you would have been a shitty partner, too. I know it. Well, also, I would hate someone to walk with me. I know I'm sure I'd be like scared in the woods and the journey. I would like a buddy, but someone standing there knowing how long I'd be taking in the bathroom is also nerve wracking as a child. And well, as an adult. I had to walk there by myself and it's fucking scary to walk through the woods at like age eight. When when Allison and I went to the desert, which we don't need to talk any further about that experience. Please don't. Um, it was not that fun of a time, but it was fun, but not, not also as safe as I'd like. Um, there was an outhouse that we had to use for the bathroom and it was just a little too far away. And the, the journey was a little too dark for my liking. Um, and I did not enjoy it. So That's I feel like I got a buddy. Well, also, I thought, like, oh, Allison should be my buddy. But it wasn't even an outhouse. It was literally a toilet in the middle of... Okay, but I also don't mean, like, the... a romantic buddy. I mean, like, That's when you're true. seven, a buddy who has who also pees and poops like you do. I, I will tell you, going going potty out in that in the outdoor toilet where, like, there weren't even walls or doors around you. Like, if Allison looked out the window, she would just see me on the toilet. Yikes. That was an adventure for my confidence. The only... <laughs> The only similar thing I think we've experienced is when we went to Nashville and that we there was a bathroom in the condo that the, the venue mm -hmm. Zanies put us in where out of the toilet you could watch people line up for our show. So we would all sit and on the, the window, toilet. The window didn't have curtains or blinds. No. So I, I was always scared that like if I look a little too hard, people will feel me looking at them and they'll look back and see me before our show sitting on the toilet. On the toilet. There was like a video M sent me and Eva of like just <laughs> zooming out of the window at a line of people where it said like, and that's why we drink live and like just sitting on the toilet i mean well that, now we can officially never stay there next time we go to zany's because I mean, um, everyone's gonna look at every window and like if you see a toilet that's the spot after that bathroom and like that haunted attic i climbed into at that place i don't think i want to stay there again anyway. fair enough that was a you volunteered to go up into that attic by the oh, way oh i fully was it was my fault 100 percent. but i have had i don't know like zany's 
I don't remember my experience on stage because I was not paying attention, but I have the best memories of you and Eva both times we've stayed in that spot at Zany's when when we went. That house (laughs) is poor Eva got so sick though. That was her uh, Wisconsin. She probably had a terrible time. She was miserable, but Christine and I had a great time. We had a great time. Oh, Eva, speaking of Eva, text me. She said, I weirdly don't remember, but my mom was the troop leader, and I think I just didn't fit in, but then she kept being the leader even after I left, so I she got that. kicked out, and then her mom was like, bye. I like how even your mom was like, get out of my zone. You're in my yeah, zone. Sorry, you're not welcome here. It's like, anyway, now that my kid's gone, time to really party. Now that that weirdo's out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Well... Sorry to both of you. I'm sure I would have been kicked out. We can make up a reason if you like. I feel like you would not have been kicked out and you would have fucking run the whole thing. Really? Yes. I feel like I would have run the whole thing until they were like, okay, now's our big hiking day. And then I'd be like, I'm going to cause such a crisis that yeah, like, you would have cre- I will you- have to be removed. Honestly, you probably wouldn't even be removed. You probably would have just ended the whole program. You would have caused such a <laughs> stir that like they were like, we're shutting this thing down. Just like you with your 24 hours or less. I would have become president of the Girl Scouts overnight. <laughs> And, and then, then been torn like, it down. Been like, you know what? I'm here to crush the system. From we the are inside. Hiking <laughs> who? Don't know her. <laughs> Just pull it down. You were like, I want to learn survival skills. And they were like, let's go on this hill. And you were like burn it to the ground we're not doing it, this i just need to climb the ranks so i can set a match and watch it all ablaze <laughs> watch it all go down with me <laughs> oh, oh my gosh anyway. well excited for excited as excited as i can be for part two at least um, there's some answers a little bit yeah well good good storytelling there's Christine. also Do- racism so you know <laughs> yay a lot of speaking of the system and watching it burn to look forward to yeah all right, well, I'll catch you catch you on the flip-flop, cool cat. <sighs> I'm going to go eat a burrito. Okay, and that's why we drink. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.